Hello, welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm Tom. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Stop. I'm I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. That that was really Justin. We're sorting it all out. Who are you over there? I'm Tom, uh-huh. the real guy. All right, that's Tom. Hello, Tom. All right, guys, cut out the monkey business because we got a guest. All right, tonight our special guest <laughs> on the Heavy Old Podcast is none other than my good friend John Santiago from Long Island, New York. The uh, um, the the word that I can't think of right now. <laughs> <laughs> proprietor the proprietor thank you so much of third eye grind records uh an obscure uh uh craft noise grind Everything. chopped and screwed hip-hop and all sorts of weird stuff label that's been going strong for since 2011 2011 yeah, 2011 so how you doing john I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? Awesome, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks no, for coming in, man. Seriously. Course. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Have a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for bringing all these tapes that we get to check out. They're really covered in tapes right now. Yeah. It's everywhere. John, John's brought a lot of stuff, man. Um, he He's worked with uh, a lot of bands. Maybe you've heard of like Dace Charge, Couple Skate, Six Brew Bantha, Sate Star Sep, uh, Agathocles, Organized Dorks. Unmen, uh, God's America, and even Buckshot Facelift. He put out the cassette edition of Living Ghosts of the North Shore. Um, and he's put out tons of shit by bands you've never heard of. Uh, John specializes in, in stuff that most people never heard of, right? Some bands I haven't even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I want to get... He's got a stack of tapes. Um, one of them, like, screams like a, like a gift card when you open it up. And one of them's kind of like a book. And there's, like, all this shit here. I just want to get a little preliminary, though, so we understand the man uh, behind the label. Uh, what, so, so you're you're a little younger than me. You're originally from Long Island, right? Yep. Tell me about growing up in the scene in your era, man. Like when you come of age and you first find underground music. What is it? I was going to punk shows in Molly Blooms. Molly Blooms uh, in Smithtown, Molly Blooms Two in Amityville, uh, the Smithtown Masonic Temple. Mm-hmm. All those places are gone now. Yeah, yeah, I grew up going to just punk shows on the island, and uh, honestly, it kind of sucked a lot of the time. <laughs> just, just that's a really low turnout. Just a lot of really shitty attitudes for no reason. So, well, let me let me go back even a little further, man. I feel like I jumped the gun because is there anything in your like come your, you know your childhood, teenage years? Are, are you are you an artist? You know, making kind of interesting art because so, all the art that goes into your packaging and the creativity that goes in that does that start somewhere else in life and you focused it into this? Uh, I grew up drawing. I, yeah. I always like to draw the like, illustration type stuff, and I'll, I'll do uh, like band logos and stuff. I've made logos for bands that don't exist because I'm like, hey, this might look cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have a band? Did you ever aspire to be in a band or do anything like that? No, I am not musically inclined at all. I did have a really short-lived noisecore band uh, called Script Forger in like 2012. We did one tape. Script Forger. Yeah, but aside aside from that, no, I'm not very musically inclined, and uh, the, the label started as a joke. Okay, well, that was my next question. Did you always aspire to, to do a label? So I guess not. No, uh, I was just more for like the fun of it, just enjoying the music, getting to meet people. But uh, Third Eye Grind was a play on you know, Third Eye Blind. <laughs> I wanted to do a, a grindcore covers tape of Third Eye Blind songs. I'm like, that'll just be funny. Nobody was into it. But like, fuck it, man. I already started drawing stuff. I might as well start a label. <laughs> wow, dude. And there you have it. Right, right to the throat. Now, did you put out anything before that? Did you like release any tapes or anything? Or? Uh, I would promote for shows. I would uh, like sell tickets for shows for bands. I remember Last Call Brawl. Okay, yeah. I remember like thinking, I don't even know the year. This might not even be worth mentioning. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I used to promote for like local shows, and I was always going to as many punk shows as I could. All right, man. We'll, t- we'll talk about that. So what are, what are we in like the early two thousands now with with that? Early two thousands. My memory is awful. 
Yeah, I'd say probably 2000. Well, if it was Smithtown Masonic Temple having shows, that was a brief period, and uh, I was shot and violence performed yeah. there like 04, 05. So, uh, my point being, like, just what, what's the Long Island scene like uh, in terms of punk, uh, you know, for, for someone from your generation uh, in that time period? Well, you know, talk about it. Uh, I'm very sorry. <laughs> you're sorry. You're sorry about the scene, or you're just no, no. I'm sorry about my just my total lack of preparedness and horrific memory. Just going back to it, I remember like seventh grade is when I found out about like punk bands. I forget what the fucking first band I found out was, but I was like blown away. And then I found out that like you could, you know, this band's playing locally and there's stuff happening around me. So it was just a place to go that like I felt comfortable. Like it was just a lot of fun going to these shows. Like this loud ass abrasive music. Like fucking people running into each other and like getting shit faced in the parking lot when like fourteen. That that's what initially what it was about. Just having a great time. Yeah, yeah. And I, too much fun. You did mention Small Arms Dealer before. Were they playing some of these shows? Was it like that type of scene? That show was it was Kill Your Idol's second to last show at the Smithtown Masonic Temple. Yes. And that's one thing that I feel like I don't see a lot about shows. Was that show was packed out with distros and bands selling shit. I remember I bought like an Ed Gein CD. There was this band, this hardcore band, Up the Fury, that had like a bunch of their merch. I don't, I don't even know if they're still around. But that's when uh, I was talking to one of the guys in Small Arms Dealer and just bullshit. And he just gave me Small Arms Dealer CDs and shirts and a bunch of shit. And then uh, Buckshot face re- Facelift release. That's how I became familiar <laughs> with you guys. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, Small Arms Dealer, um, I, I, I pretty much grew up with uh, at least Steve Andolfo, who was in that band. And... Um, his roommate over at the Hobo House in Huntington. The Hobo House was kind of like a punk house in Huntington that used to have basement shows. It was real big for Buckshot Facelift. And uh, I'm just trying to clarify for the listeners, too. Yeah. And you, you also mentioned Kill Your Idols. That was a classic um, Long Island punk hardcore band that was huge One of the best. Uh, for, for people from like the late 90s um, scene. And that, that people who were teenagers and, and young adults back then in the scene. And a couple of those guys are actually in Black Anvil yeah. now. Yeah, so... Um, they they they're always keeping it old school, man, and, and keeping keeping that energy, but kind of with a different vibe, man. So so, but yeah, Kill Your Idols was its own movement. I know I know more people than I could count on one hand with the Kill Your Idols tattoo, yeah, the, the little kind of skull thing. The face. They were one of the first local bands that I really latched onto. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think I might have got their CD from like Utopia back in the early two thousands. Now that's yeah, like it's a, like a glorified yeah. clothing store now. Yeah, for Long Island, I mean, I was always you know I was you know younger and I was just kind of focused on death metal and grindcore at the time, but. I couldn't help but be exposed to Kill Your Idols. Like I said, all the you know, all my friends from high school and just people locally were super into that, man. Hard you know, Long Island was so hardcore in the nineties, the death metal thing was kinda the underbelly, man. So you're you're going to punk shows, you're getting into punk. When does like grindcore and noise and ex- really extreme stuff start to like, you know, get get in the picture? When do you notice that? Uh, early high school. Yeah, and like what 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 did you like was it was it like, you know, your usual like like you know, anal cunt or something or like. No, it was uh, I was Canadian grindcore bands because uh, I would do the same thing like everybody did. You would look at liner notes to see like you know other bands or labels that a band would think, and I would just search online, and it turns out that dudes from Propagandi were in grindcore bands, uh, head hits concrete and swallowing shit, and two of those bands were my first like real exposure to grindcore, and that just like set me off in a total different direction. I uh, you just blew my mind. I never realized members of Propagandi were also in head hits concrete. Yeah. Okay, man. I, I I've been exposed to head hit, head hits concrete, man. Um, in Biolich, some of the guys used to listen to that, uh, but I never realized that. Wow, because you know, propaganda. You know, it's more of a more of a punk band, more of a melodic punk band, propaganda. But um, yeah, they rule. I, yeah, so I, I know some people that listen to them. I've been exposed to that. You can definitely tell the guys in the, that band to listen to heavy shit. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah. they funnel it into something else. Yeah, actually, I I, I know uh, Tom Ander back in the day was a uh, um, big into propaganda. And, 
he might have been how I heard them. I, I wonder if he realizes that, man. Okay, so you kind of get into grindcore through um, through punk and yeah. then like a weird way following the liner notes and stuff like we say. And then uh, when does it turn into like I I want to start putting out? Well, you, you said it's like a, like the label starts out as a joke, but obviously it, it's not 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 so much a joke at, at this yeah. point. I mean, you you got into releasing a lot of stuff, so. What was the official first release on Third Eye Grind Records? Uh, this band somewhere in Scandinavia called X Los Boo X. Okay. It was just like a super shitty lo-fi, I think. It was like a 200-track tape that I spray-painted <laughs> and made my own stickers for and put stickers on the label. And the quality of the release was so shitty that you couldn't even read any of the track lists or any information about the band. How did you get in contact with them? Honestly, I don't remember. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I I did have uh, I, I had a Facebook for it, so and people would contact me. So that very well could have been it. I, I don't I don't think I reached out to them. I think I was just kind of waiting to do something after the failed compilation attempt, and then uh, they hit me up. And I think I made like thirty three of those tapes. Very cool. And, and you were super DIY. You did everything yourself. Yeah. For this first release, figuring all this stuff out. What is like something you learned in that first release that you weren't ready for, and then kind of take it with you? that I was not ready to do this. <laughs> like it, I, I, there are definitely some releases that just, like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just wanted to do it. Right. So, like, they sounded shitty. And, like, I will admit that a lot of my first releases sound fucking awful. Okay. But that kind of comes to the territory of learning as you go. Of course. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I wanted to, like, I'm not musically inclined. I wanted to be a part of something and, like, help contribute to it. Yeah. So what was the first release where you felt like, wow, I, I just put something out? Like, I, I like this means something. Uh, the Six Brew Bantha LP. Okay, Six Brew Bantha, also from Canada. Yes. Right. Okay, uh, and that was what year? 2012. Okay, so so fairly early on, you put you know you put out that, and then well, I was part of a co-release for it. I was the, I was I was invited to be on board for the co-release, which made me thrilled because it was a band, uh, a label I really like enjoyed at the time was uh, To Live Alive Records. So Will messaged me, asked me if I wanted to help with the, t- uh, the record out, and I love Six Bantha, so it was like win-win. Awesome. And, and then, then going forward, like, when does the idea come in? Like, you want to start? Did you go from the from the start? Like, I want to have a label with lots of different crafty uh, packaging, and the packaging has always got to stand out and be kind of different on each release. Or was it just like to fulfill your own entertainment as you're making them? It kind of evolved. Yeah, it was just for my own entertainment. Like, I wanted I, for most of my stuff, I do do the layout work. Uh-huh. Some of it I've done the artwork, but like I'm like actively involved in every step and have been since the beginning. Like, I like doing everything myself. I like. Even like the printing, cutting, folding, like doing all that out of my house. And like pro tapes are fine by me. I'm gonna do a pro tape soon, but it's like take some of the charm out of it, I guess. Like when somebody else is doing the work and you're just giving them the money for it. Well, that's 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 a good point because when you say pro tape, just for the listeners, you're talking about when you just you know you pay a company to professionally manufacture a tape. The way I think yeah. most people would probably go about it who aren't doing their own tape label and you know aren't like old school like that. What you actually do is you like you duplicate each tape. Sometimes one by one, but then you, yep. you eventually also get like tape duplicating machines that can make multiple tapes at a time, right? Yeah. What? T- talk about that. When did, when you released that first tape, did you just dub it one at a time? I was dubbed one at a time. I made a CD master, and I think I recorded the CD to tape via my stereo, and I just did one tape at a time. I think the whole release was like an hour long. And when, when do you wow. break down and get a tape duplicated? Not too long after that. I got a really shitty Telex Mono 123. It came in a little briefcase. <laughs> uh, he has a Telex copy at 123. That was probably 
my third or fourth release, and it came with 200 blank tapes and cases. Wow. Because I guess the the eBay seller was just sitting on some shit. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It's like I have 200 tapes and I can do whatever I want with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty rad. How are you, uh, how are these relationships with the, with the bands that are, that are kind of like entrusting you and releasing their stuff? Like, are you super open with the, I guess, the, the, the expectations of the quality? Do you, do you sell like, this super custom experience as far as like what's going on or are they just completely down with you know the DIY and they trust you and, and put it out initially it was either people contacting me and I listen to it and I like it I'm like word I'm down to put this out uh, a lot of it is I just I want to work with like good people so like a lot of it's bands I'm friends with or like a band that I heard somewhere on like a band camp or a blog spot and I'll reach out to them on the off chance that they want to do a release I never sold it for I don't make limited quantity for the sake of it being limited, or I just feel like I'm just trying to work with what I have. Yeah. So I, I think it's stupid to intentionally limit something. If you know, if you, you know, if you know you can do more, like keep doing more, like make sure it gets out to as many people as it can. That's for Disney. That's not for underground. That's <laughs> off the board grind, you know. That's that's for hype shoes. You know. What I mean? Well, I, speaking of that, I mean, you have done, you've done a couple. Like you, you mentioned something before about a release where you were going to make so many copies, X amount of copies, and actually sell the master. So that it's just out there, and you don't even have access to, to reproduce it anymore, I guess. That, that was how uh, Syrup Head first started, yeah. Okay. And, well, do you want to talk about Syrup Head right now? And just, because I was a little confused. I You know, we talked before we started recording about uh, there's Syrup Head and there's Third Eye Grind. And it's is there, like, two labels, or is, like, one, like, the kind of, like, private recording thing? Or, like, what's going on? Thir- uh, Third Eye Grind was my first label. It initially started out as, like, a, was like a small whatever-I-can-do label. Then I started doing distro. And probably around 2015, I had some uh, unfortunate circumstances go down where I just didn't have access to any of my collection or my recording equipment or my duplicator. Um, so that's how Syrupet started, was I just couldn't do anything with Third Eye Grind, so I closed it down, but I still wanted to make more tapes. I still wanted to continue doing this and running a label, so I just decided to do a new label. And eventually I did get all my shit back, so Third Eye Grind does still exist, but only as a distro. Wow. All right. All right. So, so you still had the, the drive to make tapes, and, and that, that's why I mean. You say that the label started out as a joke, but you have this drive. And when people, uh, you know, I almost wish this was like a video episode because people could really see the the work that goes into this. Maybe this would be a good time just to segue into these tapes, and start talking about it, man. Because so much work and effort goes into what you do. Let's start. Uh, should we start with this one, guys, or should we like save this? Um, I think we should save that because okay. that's the. Uh, you, you'll get it on. Yeah, it. yeah. We're gonna <laughs> save. We're saving. That. We're, we're gonna save this this special <laughs> one. But um, maybe I'll break into this right now. This is hypnic jerk. I'm sorry. A uh, hypnic jerk. Hyp- hypnic you, jerk. You know when you start to get tired and your body like twitches. Okay. That's referred to as a hypnic jerk. I don't know why he chose that as the name, but that's what hypnic jerk is. Okay. This cover is so disturbing. That's my boy Travis from the Midwest. Okay. And and shout to our boy Travis. Yeah, Not he's actually coming over here. He's got to drop something off. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. if you want to meet the lobster, man. I was going to say, as long as he brings the lobster, I'm yeah. down. So this <laughs> this hypnic jerk, this is amazing. Uh, it's the, the packaging, it's like two. The packaging is almost like those old cassette singles where it would yep. just have like a cardboard sleeve. But they're together like a book. Uh, almost like when you would buy like uh, like Justin said before, like the Bible on tape or something. And it yeah, comes in like yeah, a big case that opens yeah, up or whatever. Like Noah's Ark on tape. <laughs> and there's and this artwork when you when you open it up and it folds out. This was actually from like a poster you had made, and, and it came with a poster yeah. of all this. I designed that and I made a uh, a fourteen eleven by fourteen poster to come with the release. 
Okay, and tell us about Hypnic Jerk. Uh, Hypnic Jerk is just raw ass noise core from the Midwest. It's uh, that, that's their discography at that point. Okay. Can I see that real quick, Will? Yeah. Um, and then we have. Oh, this. that's a dick. Oh, excuse me. Oh yeah, no, there's, <laughs> there's, there's there's no shortage of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. They're, yeah, they're they're talking about the, the the tape layout, not like the with something weird in the room. No, something. everyone's got pants on. We're all yeah. gentlemen. We're doing. I got sweat. I got Rockaware sweatpants on. <laughs> um. <laughs> next one. Next up. Uh, couple skates. Is it is fa- faction disaster the name of like is this a split or is that the name? It's of a the- split. Yeah, it's another. Okay. It's two bands from the Midwest. Couple skate faction disaster split tape. Look at this layout. This is crazy. How how did you get this? It's like it's it looks like one of those old like when you would make um you would have like a rainbow of colors but it would be covered up with black wax and you'd like scrape a picture out of yeah, it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Like like this yeah. is this is amazing, man. It's like this rainbow print, but it's the, the cover is, is awesome. And then you you kind of have it like as a sleeve over the jewel case itself. Yeah. I didn't even look underneath this, man. And then it's just kind of like this this straight blue thing. It's really professional looking, man. This looks awesome. And you actually got the couple skate logo and all that printed on the tape on a label, man. Tell us about this release. How how did you get this packaging? Um, that was I. I never liked printing on uh, like plain paper for my tapes. It just seemed like kind of shitty and flimsy. So I would always get cardstock. This was just like a wild ass pack of cardstock that I found. I'm like, where I could do something with this. So, <laughs> awesome. This is actually the only time this logo was ever used in anything. That was supposed to be another logo for Third Eye Grind. I just only did it for this, and I kind of gave up on it. That's extremely creative. You wouldn't think to use like a sleeve on the outside of a jewel case. Yeah. Like that, but at, really at that time, well I was at that time I was printing at my house. Now I print for free at my job, but. So I was way more conservative with my ink use, right? When I was paying for it, it's smart and it's cool, and I could that that's like it's super professional looking. This piece, like I think that's from awesome. 2012, also. Now I you didn't bring it, but I just I want to like a throwback. I remember there was a tape a few years ago that you put out where you made X amount of copies, and there was like a, like if it was 50 copies, the the 51st copy you made like one extra copy and ground it into powder. And put oh, yeah. it in like little drug bags, <laughs> so that the tape actually came with a with a bag that looked like a like like powder, like drugs, but it was actually one copy of that release ground up. <laughs> that was my like really stupid doing a lot of extra work roundabout way to evenly distribute the copies. So <laughs> only the participating projects and myself have those tapes or those ground up tapes. Oh, that is okay. fucking hysterical! Wow. That that was a uh, video nasty and contrarian. Split okay. Tape. Okay, and like, how did you <laughs> grind it up into powder? I think I smash it with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. So, all right, all right. So there's that. Um, I mean, we could talk about the, there's there's a couple other things. Most of your releases usually come with like a sticker and a flyer or something. Here's another one we have. Is this more recent? That's probably 2015 or 16. Okay, this is interesting. We were playing this before. This is Deceiver, Screwed and Chopped Volume 1. This is actually like just chopped and screwed hip-hop, like yeah. a DJ mixtape, like, you know, like a, 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 a one of those like chopped and screwed style DJs would make, but who who's behind it? Uh, Matt from Deceiver and Water Torture. Mm-hmm. So Water Torture, if people don't know, Water Torture is like a really brutal grind. Are they grindcore? Are they power violence? I don't know what the kids are calling. I've them. seen classifications for both. I don't get yeah, too crazy I, I, about I, the I don't want to. I don't want to step on any toes with the genre <laughs> names, but they're really brutal, noisy grindcore. Water Torture. I've seen them live a few times. It's been a few years for me, but um, really interesting to know that the guy from Water Torture is like chopping, screwing hip hop, and you're putting it out, man. And mm. I love this because this is like more of a. Um, 
a stripped down kind of layout, man. It still looks beautiful. Uh, look at this, the the like colored red and black ink on the uh, actual I love that tape package. layout. Yeah, that, yeah that's all it's... stuff I designed, and the, that's actually a picture. The, the cover image is like a picture of a power plant by my house. And, it's awesome. Yeah, and it actually like has um, it, it, again, it looks like one of those old cardboard kind of cassette singles, you know. Hell yeah. Hello, Travis. Hi, Travis. Oh, hey. Yeah, well, let's, let's let's acknowledge it. Let's What's acknowledge up, it. Travis just walked in the room. What's up, Travis? Yeah, you got these envelopes. What is this? You talking guys talking about metal, like Chad Kroger? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys haven't talked about him once. I am so high. You're <laughs> And this guy. This guy calling into my podcast, invading hey. my space. Fuck off, Trav. You're, oh, very, that's, you're very much my. I drop it. Gardens. That's why. That, that's why we're getting this visit because just, Justin messed up, man. Now, <laughs> now we're getting invaded, man. How's it going? I'm John. Hey, Travis. How are you? Hey, Will. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Uh, Travis, we were just talking about your lobster on this podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited about it. He's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't climbed out yet. The second one. Yeah, number two. You haven't found the first. He's also still alive. You just I, no, I ate it. Sorry, sorry, bro. Yeah, other lobster ate it. So oh, like, no. first lobster ate, got eaten by the second lobster. So does the second lobster make armor out of that lobster shell? Like yeah, it's just like stacked lobsters. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Okay, we had to kick Travis out, man. Guy was having too much fun in here. Uh, we were we were talking about now. Shout to Travis, man. We, we were we were talking about Deceiver last, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this, so so I, I just love the idea that you're having like people from grindcore bands screwing and chopping hip hop, and you're putting it out as like cassette singles, yeah. like exclusive artwork, man. That's really cool. And what was the other hip hop uh, cassette that you put out? Um, I know fairly recently you gave me a copy at the show last time. Three guys, what yeah, was it? The, that was uh, the powder click tape. Powder click tape, yes. So talk about that a little bit. What's up with that? That's just friends. Uh, the original, not the original. It's, it's a member of Powder Click. His name originally was Big Debbie, but now he goes by Nasty Push. I heard, I listened to his Bandcamp. I loved it. I wanted to put his stuff out. I think maybe within a few hours of me messaging him, he he's like, yeah, like let's make the tape. So, so this, these are just like underground hip hop guys. They're not really affiliated with the grind scene. No, these are all grind dudes just doing hip hop stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. So so they are they're they're they have like a grindcore band or um, Ryan from he's the guitarist of Couple Skate. He also does hip hop stuff in Powder Click. Okay, and that that's a great segue because let's talk about Couple Skate. They've been around for a while now. I think right? 2010 or 11. Yeah. There. Are they one of the first bands you worked with? Yeah. Okay. I remember you gave me that um, uh, the the boxed uh, tape, the Mint Score. Right? Yeah. That that was their initial discography of like. It wasn't a lot of tracks. They they initially they had broken up, and that was like their last release. But they've since gotten back together and keep making stuff. I was gonna say because I see their name everywhere now. They've done split. They did a split with Haggis, who we've covered on the podcast in, in a previous episode. I think the Adam Rotel episode I talked about Haggis. Yeah, a couple skate did a split with Haggis. They're they're everywhere, and um, they they do play live, right? They're, I believe they're playing in New York coming up, right? Yeah, they're playing at uh, Necrofest that uh, Josh from Unman is doing. Yeah, so for all the Gore Grind fans out there, hear me out. Couple Skate, the name doesn't scream brutal, unrelenting gore grind with the atmosphere of death, all right? But 
uh, being part of a couple and being in a relationship can be very gore grind. <laughs> uh, it was it was for me the, the few times in my life. <laughs> sure, it's a heavy I, experience. I, I endured it, um, but. But what's the deal with couple? Do you know what the day, the story is with the name? Or I have no idea. All right, well it's brutal gore grind, man. These guys do not fuck around in couple skate. I, I think it's sick, and uh, the name's a little funny, man. But it's it's like kind of like a crustier, uh, like last days of humanity kind of style, uh, you know, something like that. There's like mints, mints with like a specific like gore grind tinge. Yeah, here we, I'm getting in trouble with the subgenres, man. I'm too <laughs> old. I, I don't the mints. They 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 have like five percent mints and six percent that. 20% lean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but couple skate, yeah. So did you put out anything else by couple skate? Um, I did the Minscore discography tape, the split with Faction Disaster. Yeah, which and, we talked about. Okay. Uh, that's all I've done with them so far. Oh, you know what? That's actually not true. I did uh, a split with the Russian Mince band, Camphora, Mono Bramada, and Couple Skate. And that's the one that I was talking about before, where I printed a hundred J cards just to find out that I spelled the goddamn band's name wrong. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> so, it's always a learning process. Condolences, man. You know, that's a lot of paper. Anything else like that? Like, did you ever dub a bunch of tapes and it, and it was wrong or something? I've I've erased a run of like 150 tapes because I didn't like the way it sounded. Because I, I didn't. Now I proof. If I do like a duplicator, I'll proof every third copy. But if I do real time, I'll proof every copy just to make sure that it sounds the way I want it to sound. Yeah. But I, yeah, can... if, uh, I didn't used to proof my copies, and that got me into a lot of trouble. I would okay. just put out really shitty sounding things and wouldn't find out till after the fact. I, I can only imagine, because I, I, not that I ever had a tape label like you're doing here, but I used to make a lot of tape copies of my own bands and send them out a lot in the 90s and early 2000s, and it could be a bitch, dude. You could yeah. you know, you know, could tape the, the whole wrong, wrong side, or you could find out that the tape stops too soon and you don't get all, everything you were, you know, like there's all, with, with tape, like it's it becomes a precise science when you start working with cassette tapes and dubbing them all the time. You get to the point where you can fast forward and rewind and like stop on the dime, be, like in the in the space you need to be on, and yeah. like you really, it's 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 hard to describe to people that grew up on CDs and MP3s, man, these cassette tapes, because once you, you're using them every single day, it's like a rhythm you hit with this machine, you know what I I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's almost a connection, man. Um, what what draws you to put out cassette tapes? It's something I could do myself, and I, I never had a particular affinity for CDs. Like I just never really gave a shit about CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, I still release them. I'll, I'll do like pro CDs or like make it myself. There's one there, but tapes is something that like from start to finish, like I'm involved with every step of the process. I can do it all myself. Like all the stickers that come with the tapes, I make the stickers. The patch that comes with like I screen print those too, so I just try to do every single thing myself. And I yeah. like I like that process of it. That's what I was talking about pro tapes before, where I'm not trying to shit on pro tapes. I have no problem with them, but it's not as hands on, so I don't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you want to feel the process all the way. Through. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it keeps me busy too. I mean, it's something you love. Yeah. So why the hell not? Uh, speaking of pro tapes, though, one of is this one of the first pro tapes you did? That's the first pro tape I ever did, yeah. The first pro tape. We're talking about a, a Grandma from where? Uh, Argentina. Grandma from Argentina. Kind of kind of, kind of like a mortician type of sound. Like real brutal gore grind with like slurpy pitch shifter vocals. Yeah, and a little bit like gruesome stuff relish thrown in. Yeah, really sick stuff, man. This tape is awesome. Um... I guess grandma can be gore grind. She goes to the doctor a lot most of the time, right? Like she's, there's a lot of pathological things going on. Spin around, you know. Yeah, yeah right. she's seen a lot, right? You know, but um, Wrinkles. yeah, this band is no joke though. Uh, grandma, man, like really brutal, harsh gore grind, and it's not the only gore grind band you put out. So, 
uh, you know, are people out there that are more like of the gore grind variety and they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't really do the noise core thing so much. You got to check out Third Eye Grind because he's got a lot of brutal pitch shifter vocals type of gore grind. And the next one I want to get into, uh, you got this Vomitoma dead meat hooked to a car battery. Yep. <laughs> Cassette tape. <laughs> well, this is, you, you said um, the, the, the woman's name. Uh, Jen Lazarus, yeah, yeah. So it's a was it, it's a it's a one one woman project. Yeah, it's a, it's her project. Uh, but for this one, I mean, she's done it before, where she's worked with other drummers or people doing bass or guitar. Where, but it's, I, I like the fact that there's a split up. Like every track is a, not every track, but every few tracks is a different drummer. So there's a lot of people contributing to one release. Yeah, and actually on um, was it this release where uh, where it has uh, what's the guy Gord Dick? Yeah, uh, good old Gord Dick from <laughs> uh, Sick yeah. Gord Dick. Gordick from Indonesia. Uh, just for reference, uh, the Ping with Paulo episode. Paulo talked a little bit about Gordick and his uh, his his many vibrant uh, you know projects and, and the way he plays drums. For he's he's a, he's a pinger, all right. <laughs> yeah, we and, were listening to that one before we started recording. I really like the production on that one. Yeah, That's, it's really uh, clean. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I know it's my tape, but I'm just saying, like, I I think I did a good job. <laughs> I think you did too, sir. The, yeah, the other drummers on it are uh, Yu Ying from Salsa from Korea, and I. Hope I'm saying your name right. Sorry, and um, the drummer from Putrefuck. And again, look at this. I mean, I just want to say this guy prints up everything himself. John, you, yeah. you print up everything yourself, design it all yourself, and most of it ends up looking better than a lot of cassette tapes that come out from bigger underground labels. I'm just going to leave it there. Pro printed uh, well, thanks, cassette Jay. tapes. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at this. This is amazing. Um, the extra creativity you put in it, like you having the hands-on process, like yeah. all these tapes stand out. They're all different. Yeah, yeah it's, it it's like what it's, I love to do. And that's why, like, when I had no means to continue my other label, I started a new one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's hardcore, man. And just, you know, talking again about these tapes and, and getting back to, like, why you... Why you started doing it? Why you use tapes? You said you know because because you're involved. You know you're involved in the recording process. I mean, you know in the in the dubbing process. You make each one individually and all that. Um, I know you said for like you had a it's the recycled series that you had, and you would like you would buy. Is, is that a series you had, or some or just something you would do for certain releases? For um, I was like when I first started Sierra Pedos because I had no other means to continue doing it. I couldn't really, I didn't have the room to store like all brand new tapes in cases, so I chose to do the O cards and I would do it on recycled tapes. So it saved me room. At, it would be limited quantities, so it moved pretty quick, and I did the, what's it called? <laughs> I did the O cards because I honestly could not afford cases at the time, so I'm like, I'll just print this out on paper, I'll fold it up, it'll be like a single from the 90s. Yeah. Some of the the most creative bullshit comes out of necessity. Yeah, right. Yeah, no other choice. (laughs) Yeah, talking about recycled tapes. um, Talk about what that means, actually, man. Because you know, like, like I go to thrift stores a lot, and you can always find cassette tapes. Sometimes you still find a lot of blank cassette tapes still in the wrappers, but but people might. I I bet you a lot of people don't realize that any cassette tape, it could be whatever your your uh, Aerosmith "Get a Grip" album on cassette tape, right? Slippery when wet. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. There's on the on the, the the top surface of surface the the thin top along the top of the cassette tape. There's those two square holes. Yeah, there's two tabs. If you cover those tabs up, you you can tape over whatever's on there. Yeah, if if the tabs are in there, you can record over it. But if they're not, you just throw some scotch tape over and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. And the reverse of that is the blank tapes that you buy. You know, the the TDK C90s or whatever. Once you make one of those, you actually have the option to bust those tabs out to make it not 
you know, if you yeah. want to preserve that forever and no one can record over it, you can do that. Or, so you know, more likely so you don't accidentally record over it, which could happen. Yeah, which has happened. When, yeah. One of my friends went to go play a tape of mine. It was the Bird Flesh PLF split tape. He hit the wrong button, so there's a good oh, two-minute silence in the middle of that tape. Dude, that, that does not happen on your iPhone or whatever. You can't do that to a CD. If you're not careful and you're not looking what you're doing, you can accidentally record over the first few seconds of your cassette, man. Come on. I once had, a, I think I once had Facebook open when I was recording a master for a tape. I didn't notice until after I made all the copies, so in the middle of it, there's the messenger chime, like right in the middle of the, CD, in the uh, tape. Ooh, uh-huh. ooh, yeah. yeah. Ooh. But it's like it's... It's low enough that it could be mistaken for part of the drums. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. It's a symbol hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anyone asks. The extra tom, you know? Yeah. The roto. It's yeah. uh, forward thinking, really. <laughs> Incorporating the, the digital aspect into the analog. Yeah. Technically, that's, uh, that's glitch, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Glitch so, grind. Wow. We got to start that one. I'm sure it exists. Oh, man. I'm already in. So, where... So... Uh, you you go to the thrift store and you buy some like used tapes, use that, and you can buy like bricks of tapes uh, on, online. I'm sure, man. Yeah. Where else? Like, is there anywhere else you procure like uh, supplies? You know, I mean, anything we wouldn't think about or like like found things. Wait a minute. Talk about the one that came with the burlap sack and the barbed wire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the street side abortion uh, masturbating with a mangled fetus tape. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Adam so Rotella wasn't right back involved to the in that, right? That, no, that, he was not. That's it was, not uh, Adam, yeah. My boy Dylan and this dude Zane. Uh, I think he's from Mississippi and Dylan's from Boston. But, uh, yeah, it was their first full-length tape. And, like, just given the, the nature of the recording and everything about it, I'm like, I kind of want to make this tape fucked up. So instead of putting it in a regular case, I went out and got burlap sacks. I rubbed it with fake blood. And then I went to the sump and I clipped rusted barbed wire to wrap around the tapes. Thought I got tetan- tetanus because I did get uh, tangled in the barbed wire and fell down a hill, so it kind of sucked. Got to pay the price, you know, <laughs> for <laughs> for tapes. And how many copies of that were made? Uh, I think I made forty total. Only only ten or twelve had the barbed wire wrapped okay. around them. I, I made an option in my <laughs> store, like you know, barbed wire, no barbed wire. Yeah. I got messages like um, people didn't want it; they were worried about it. So I still have a few barbed wire copies left because nobody. I mean, who wants to fuck with the barbed wire when you're trying to listen to music? Nobody, man. I <laughs> not, yeah, not one person. I remember. I want to say it was Smell and Quim. I, it was one of those like kind of experimental noise artists in the '90s made a tape that actually came with like a piece of dead fish somewhere, like in the layout. My, I had a friend Joe that used to collect a lot of this stuff, and there was others that came with like kind of like braided metal around it and it was hard to open yeah. and things like that man were you when you're doing this are you like are you into all that first of all are you into a lot of that uh, experimental harsh noise and Absolutely. things like that and and like you're aware of that that packaging and that stuff that went on is that an influence for you do not necessarily okay. it was just something i kind of decided just to be honestly to be a bit of a pain in the ass it's <laughs> gonna be difficult yeah yeah so i mean it well is there an influence in what you do? Is this like is package doing the packaging this way? Like, because the way you do packaging, it's its own art. I mean, it kind of goes. You could call this like you know layout and design work, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like one step above, man. It's like your own personal art. You're like it's 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 interesting that you're taking other people's music and lyrics and art and concept, but you really are expressing yourself with how you put it together and package it together, man. You're it's beyond full, the template. Yeah, it's full product design. You know, they're the industry. Yeah. There's an industry for it, absolutely, and it's it's super creative, and and the specific approach to each project, man, is fascinating. 
the uh, the artwork isn't always mine. I, I I love when bands come with their own artwork because it's less work for me to do. Sure. But I'll usually throw it out there. They're like, if you don't have design, like I'm down to help out and like make it work. Uh, maybe on that note, we've re- we've reached a good point to talk about this. Uh, as I mentioned before, John um, released the cassette version of Living Ghosts of the North Shore, the Buckshot Facelift EP that we did a few years ago. And um, I knew John would not let me down uh, with the layout and the packaging for this. Actually, it was a co-release with Torn Apart Tapes, which was Adam Rotella's tape label at the time. Um, could you just talk a little bit about the layout for this and where you got the pictures and what the pictures are of? How's the vocalist sound? Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> shitty vocals, man. <laughs> Yeah, Drum, it was, drummer's top notch, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was a co-release with Adam and I, I figured we'll each make our own, like, choose our own cover image. So his cover image was the Suicide Bridge on uh, Sleepy Hollow Road. And everything about this is, like, hyper-local. It's like a lot of, like, Long Island folklore or, you know, murder or a camp hero. So my cover image is a shack that's outside of Camp Hero that's, like, just there for no reason in the middle of the woods. And, uh... The cover image, or sorry, the, the for the insert, it's a, a satellite of Campiero, and the other thing is uh, looking up through trees in the Azteca woods. And the Azteca woods, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we were talking about this before, I, I believe those are the woods where there's like the, uh, I guess kind of like a Civil War graveyard, or a very old kind of abandoned graveyard. There's just tombstones popping up in the, in the forest. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I know that's where the Ricky Castle thing happened. Yeah, was in the Ricky Aztec Castle. Uh, I, I don't know if we have to say allegedly. I believe he got arrested for it. It's documented. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We're safe uh, on that. No yeah. allegedly here. Yeah, Ricky Castle back in the day before um, uh, he, he killed uh, his friend and, and all that, he got arrested for digging up. Uh, he had a human head and a human hand bone. And, you know, a human skull, I should say, and a hand bone, I guess, that... Uh, he was uh, instructed to dig up by Pagan Pat, his like local kind of like you know crazy kind of like like veteran. What's he doing these days? Uh, Pagan <laughs> Pat. You got a LinkedIn? Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe he's got a tape label. Yeah, maybe he's waiting outside for me after this podcast, man. Who knows if he's still hanging around? You know, he didn't go to jail for any of that stuff. But um, but yeah, the Azteca Woods. And you mentioned Camp Hero. There's a picture of Camp Hero there. All this stuff actually factors into the lyrics of this living... The, the, the title itself, Living Ghosts of the North Shore, it was kind of a concept EP about Camp Hero and um, the alleged experiments the government did there. And that, that goes deep. You could yeah. really go down the wormhole uh, on, on that one, man, for our listeners. If you're not familiar with Camp Hero, the Manhattan Project... Inverted pyramids underground and all this. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting into maybe 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 we'll save that for when we get Paul Riedel from Blood Incantation. Yeah, back. more proggy pod. Yeah, yeah. This is this is like Blood Incantation material here, but it all happened on Long Island, and it was all part of the layout for this Living Ghost of the North Shore cassette um, that I was so happy. And also, you want to talk about this this look you have on the cassette, and and you you explained it before too. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to make it like the lyrics on the cassette that it's everything is about. Uh, like hyper-local Long Island. So I kind of made it look like it was something old and dug up and buried. So I rubbed black printer ink all over it and then wiped it off. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's very ghosty. Yeah, it goes with the layout. And yeah, it just kind of looks... Uh, I, I don't know, man. It looks like it's been sitting in a, in, um, in the basement of King's Park Psychiatric Center for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> it's your dad's Reebok basketball shoes. Because he swears he's going to get back into it. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, for me, that's my shoes. I, 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 I swear I'm going to go hiking again. Yeah, it's a, it's a 80-year-old smoker from Oyster Bay coughed all over it. Oh, God. Why Oyster Bay? Odd, yeah, odd. why not? Yeah, me here in Oyster Bay, light my stogie. All right. All right. So, uh, so then, moving on, man. Um, only a few more things that we really uh, got to talk about here. I also, I, we don't have it in, fr- in front of us, but you recently released, is it pronounced Swarm? Yeah. And what, what was this? It's like three M's? Uh, three W's. I'm sorry. Swarm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three R's. S-W-A-R-R-R-S. Right, I knew there was something there. Swarms with three R's. Yeah. Okay. And I know that's the singer of Hell, uh, um, Hell, Hell Child. Hell Child. I was about to say Hell Nation. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be correct. Yeah, na- uh, now it's the, the vocalist of Hell Child. Swarm's been around since like 94, 95. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. And this material you just released, is that old or new? It's new. Okay. Swarm's really interesting band. Are they all from Japan? Yeah. Okay, really interesting Japanese band. And with the singer from Hell Child, if you're not familiar with Hell Child, that's an interesting wormhole to go down too. Kind of a, um interesting like thrash metal uh, death metal. They, they, yeah, they, it's like thrashy death. I was never super into Hell Child. Yeah, I, I enjoy Hell Child, especially their album Bearskin a lot. I know they um, did a Kiss cover. I don't know yeah, if I enjoyed that up. as much, uh, but yeah, which one? Uh, shout out loud, I think. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Yeah, you, you, shout, you whispered it out loud. I should have shouted it. Whisper out loud. All right, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Hellchild, a very like aggressive um, metal band, uh, like very thrash influenced with the guitars and stuff. And the vocalist, I always thought he had a really interesting singing style, kind yeah, of like I a agree. gruff, uh, gruff melodic singing, but with a real like uh, um, interesting expressiveness to it. Man, kind of like a. Uh, I don't know, man. Like a drunk biker or something. Uh, it's it's like it's like super throaty. It's very emotive. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, even without understanding Japanese at all, it's like it kind of comes across like the, mm-hmm. the feel of the song. That's why I like that album is great. I love it. I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm used to hearing them in the context of Hellchild, which is a more aggressive metal band. This swarm stuff. Describe it, man. It, it's it's like very melodic, almost emo. And I say yeah. that in like the kind of '90s indie rock version of emo, not whatever emo means to like the hot topic kids or whatever nowadays. Like, I'm, I'm talking more about that. If like, you're under 25, turn off the podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about like that classic, like Sunny Day Real Estate, <clears throat> or uh, you know, um, help me out, guys. You know, just what I'm full about. words, emotional. Yeah, <laughs> em- em- emotional indie yeah. rock music. But yeah, getting back to swarms, talk about that a little bit. The uh, is actually is a co-release between me and my friend from high school. He runs Larry Records, which mostly does screamo. Um, we got permission from the original label to do it, which was Long Legs, Long Arms, which is one of the guys from Swarm, and also my bodily description. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> um, best name I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, they they originally released the album on CD, and okay, for a band like Swarm that's been around since the early '90s, they're really open to work with like lesser-known shitty independent labels. Well, not to say that it's shitty, but, you know, for a band that's been around so long, you wouldn't think they'd be so accessible and open to work with, you know, some basement label from Long Island. It just seems like they're grateful. They like yeah. people who are into their music and, you know, will, will do awesome shit with awesome people who are doing it on their own. It's, it's all underground music, so why not be cool as fuck? Yeah, that, that, that's great, because I've, you know... I've worked with people over the years or met people whose bands are super into the turn to be shitheads and that kind of sucks so it was like Swarm is a great band it was really awesome to work with them so we did an alternate version on cassette with different artwork we uh I was trying to screen print it's, it's wrapped in a medical bag and in a plastic bag 
I was trying to screen print on it, the screen wouldn't burn, it was so frustrating, I wasted so many screens trying to do it, and I found out my printer at work can adjust to print on the medical bag. Oh, really? So that, yeah, <laughs> that, that, I was like ready to give up, and this is one of the takes Amazing. that I ended up re-recording everything because I hated the way it sounded. Oh, okay. So I was just super unhappy with it, so I ended up erasing the tape, doing all 100 copies over again, having all the problems with the bag, but still putting it out, and it still worked out. Yeah, these are the logistical awesome. issues when you do it yourself, and yeah, it, it should all be familiar. Yeah, even after all this time, like I still fuck up all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, um, if, if you don't mind, what didn't you like about the recording? Was it like an EQ on the way through or something, or was it just the, the tape heads? I don't know the, the technical aspect of why it didn't work out. It's like... Duplicators produce worse sounding tapes. Not that they're bad, but if you do in real time, the tape sounds a lot more clean, a lot more clear, and it's a lot louder. It's like you lose some volume and you get a little bit more distortion with the duplicator, even though I clean mine all the time, like it's not perfect. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was in, in my excitement, I recorded all 100 without proofing, and I went into my car to listen to it, and it was just, it was too low. And like Will's heard the album, like there's a lot going on in that record, and it, did, it deserves to. Because like he presented in a form that like it can really be heard. That's awesome. Well, yeah. uh, it's a show of your professionalism. You're willing to go back in. I don't think I've ever been for, preferred, bleh, referred to as professional. Exclusive <laughs> right here on Heavy Hole Podcast. Yeah. John is a professional. Do not fuck with him. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, the end result is great. I really enjoyed that tape. It was really different, unexpected, completely. Yep. And um, I actually. No, no, I, I just wanted to get this in there before we move on. I liken it to almost a, a Long Island sound, because to me it reminded me in certain parts of Ladderman and Down in the Dumps. Two Long Island, very melodic uh, kind of punk bands, indie rock, like punk style bands that have very gruff kind of uh, like like my voice kind of singing, like, you know, almost, man. Like these guys singing a very like low end kind of gruff style, especially for like indie rock and pop punk, what they're doing. Um, make, which makes it sound more aggressive, you know. And I just heard that in Swarm a little bit from the, from his vocal yeah. style over that type of music, man. So I would even recommend Swarm with three R's to any of our listeners who are more fans of the more melodic style of Long Island hardcore punk, you know, because you yeah. might get something out of it. Their album Flower is great too, and their sound has continually progressed over time. That's why it was cool to work with them. It wasn't it wasn't like your Long uh, Long Island. It wasn't like a long time running grindcore band that was doing the same shit over and over and over again. They right. they they've changed singers. They've changed a bunch of different members. But an album's never not been good. Like it's always different experimentation with sound, but it's always worth listening to. Like their album Flower is great. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I've never heard of Swarm before, and uh, that that excites me. Yeah, I'll br- I I would have brought the tape. I had a huge day. A lot happened. I already bored these guys with it, but I I uh, didn't bring the tape like I was supposed to. But yeah, Swarm, man. So moving forward, uh, we just have a few more to get through, man. How, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Woozy. Woozy, all right? From where? Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, and this is a hip-hop artist. Yes. Okay, is this guy like a, like, you know, he's like a, a plays bass in a grind band somewhere, and this is a side thing, or is he just a rapper? Not like, just a rapper. You found, How'd you find this guy? Uh, shit, I forget the name. Uh, the album Never Die Alone was released on cassette by two of my friends, Jordan and Pat, who run Bullshit... Fuck, oh, yeah. Bullshit Noise Productions and Trash Fuck Records. They put out the tape a couple years ago. I liked it, and I wanted to work with Woozy, so I hit him up. So that's a mixtape of all the tracks he picked from all of his three albums, and that was meant to be a promo release for the three-album box set that him and I are going to be working on. Wow, that's all right. awesome. Yes. So we're going to see more of this Woozy, then, from, from yeah. your stuff. He uh, he did just release a new album. I 
cannot remember the name of it, which sucks. <laughs> All right, we've had we've allegedly had a drink or two, so yeah, <laughs> we're, we're woozy too. Yeah. This uh, this is spelled W U Z E E. So did have you just like recently started putting out hip hop related to, uh, you know music? Or? Yeah, uh, mostly with Syrupet. I've done I, I've branched out more genre wise. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I enjoy that. And is this like a whole scene out there of like kind of underground hip hop that's kind of put out on DIY labels and tapes and stuff, man. Uh, Pat from Trash Fuck works a lot with hip-hop artists, not even necessarily from the Midwest. Like, he's done releases with Michael Millions and Nicholas F., both from Virginia, who are just prolific, just killer recording artists. Wow. All right, man. I'm learning all sorts of stuff. I've never heard of any of this stuff, man. I gotta check it out. I'm gonna be like one of the listeners today with a notepad. And then what is this uh, CD here? Uh, That's a CD I made just... I had a day off and I was drinking and I was bored and I like to throw free shit in with orders so mm-hmm. I'm like you know what I'll just make some CDs it's called uh, Fucking Annoying <laughs> alright see this annoying shit bro yeah fucking annoying let's see how annoying you can get and um again just for for the listeners uh if anyone's interested in any of this stuff and seeing what you got do you, I, this is like so tiny. I can oh yeah, that, that, that's you, outdated. <laughs> you have a Third Eye Grind Rex, which is Third Eye Grind R E C S dot store envy dot com. Yep, right, that's my main. That's store. the best place to go. Yeah, or email me. Yeah, and whatever. You're, I'll just read your email while I got it here, man. You got syrupheadzine at gmail dot com. Yes. What, what's the story with that? Was it a zine at one point? So probably in like 2013 or 14, I wanted to do to give myself more work. Uh, I wanted to do a zine, so I did interview some people. I did some layouts for it, but it just never came to fruition. I already had the name and the email, so I'm like, "Fuck it, I'll just continue and make my label Syrupet." Wow, all right. And where, like, wh- well, what do you have on the horizon? What type of stuff are you getting into coming up? Like, like, with, like, who are you putting out next? Yeah, so I'm putting out another Vomitoma tape. It's a live set from Harsh Fest. Uh, doing the new Shit Life tape, which I'm really excited about because that band rules. Yeah, you were talking about that before, man. What are they all about? It's just hyper-blasting grindcore from the Midwest. Shit life. And you've put out something by them before, Split Tape, right? No, I, I've bought their stuff. I've never oh, actually put anything Oh, maybe I saw your out, distro I, or something? I've distroed their stuff. I've okay. never put anything out. Okay, and speaking of your distro, you're also a place people can go to get some like harder-to-find things on cassette. I was ecstatic when I found the new Pissgrave yeah. album on cassette tape and that came from uh, what What was the label that came out? Uh, Night Shroud Records from Denmark I am um, I know there was a US oh, I'm sorry Canada pressing I forget what the big label is that put it out but uh-huh. uh, Night Shroud they're, they're on Profound Lore actually yeah that's what it was surprisingly enough yeah I just say surprisingly because they're their aesthetic uh, and, and the cover artwork for Profound Lore is a little different <laughs> I'm a big up. fan What's the name of the band? I don't want to get the band name wrong. You said it to me once before. The the um, they're I believe they're Korean, and it was just like Korean characters all in the logo. So you can't unless you read Korean, you can read the name. It's the band. The one guy is in like a, a hazmat suit. Oh, that's uh, Japanese. That's needle contaminated pork. Okay, I, a, I I apologize. I thought maybe it was a Korean band, but we were talking about before there was oh, it was a Korean drummer. That's you, Yang. Okay, yeah. all apologies. So the, <laughs> the the band is from Japan, and it's a one man project called. Needle contaminated. It, it translates to needle contaminated pork in English. Needle contaminated pork. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it, that. It's, All it's, right, guys. But that, it's not. It is a Japanese band, so obviously yeah. there's an awesome translation there. Something that's, that's that's like the rough translation. Yeah. I mean, I'm still sure. into it. <laughs> they, like, they literally have like a six splatter logo, but it's the Japanese characters. You know, I was going to bring that to you too. Pointy, sharp little pork. There's a lot yeah. more mistakes you can make there too. Way more characters. 
Uh, yeah, you I know, mean, like it's over oof. my head. Well, what, what I wonder first off about the translation, and um, maybe if we happen to have a listener who, who actually knows how to read Japanese and, and could could uh, could look into this for us, that would be great. Who knows? But is it is it like you you put a needle inside of a pork chop, like you <laughs> like like the old rumor with Halloween candy, yeah, like you know, se- several times? Yeah, yeah. or or well, and it's just there for you to bite into, or is it like you have a, a hypodermic needle with some some sort of you know chemical or poison, and you into the pork chop so when I eat it I you know gag or whatever yeah any uh, <laughs> Japanese listeners uh, let us know how you would interpret it. yes are yes. you are you crushing up needles like panko yeah, how would you contaminate your pork, pork? yes <laughs> one panko one thing easier to interpret for me though is the music man I'm uh, I'm trying to contain myself He's getting all oh, piss crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to contain myself with that needle tainted pork got me going crazy, man. I really love it. This is like it's a one man drum machine project, but it's light year. Don't let that turn you away. Don't let that dissuade you. It's not Will, fifteen year old Will with the drum machine making liquefied magazines. Sometimes not. one man's all you need. Oh my god, this guy's got the riffs, he's got oh, the tone, yeah. he's got the vocals, he's everything is sick. The drum machine programs are like you could tell he you could you could tell that he he listens to everything quality. He knows what he's doing, man. He's got some some real sick grooves on there. It hits you. The slams hit you. I, I just love that needle tainted pork, man. I can't talk about it enough. And I found the tape uh, copy in your distro. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's a tape I put out. Oh, you did put that out. Yes. Okay, I apologize. All right, I thought that was something you were distributing. So tell me about that. Then have you dealt with uh, with with needle tainted pork guy? That, that was just something I stumbled across on YouTube. I'm like, holy shit. This yeah, that's why I first just, saw it. It's, it's brutal, like, slam. It's just disgusting in oh. every imaginable way. It's so fucking good. Yeah. He plays in a hazmat suit with a mic'd gas mask and, like, rolls around on the floor. It's crazy. We encourage everybody to look this up on YouTube. I don't oh, yeah. know if it's if you can, like, Google needle-tainted needle pork. I'm sure in this day and age you could probably just Google it. It's up on YouTube. Yeah, check that out, man. That was why I, was, I first heard about it, and when I realized you had the tape, I got so excited. So did you deal with that guy? Yeah, uh, in 2016, it was just somebody I found out about, and I messaged, and he didn't respond. I messaged him again, didn't respond. I'm like, I, I really want to put this out. <laughs> I think at that time, he only had like five or six tracks recorded, so that was like his entire output. So I put that out, and I, I approached him about re-releasing it, because it people responded well to it, and it only made 33 copies, so it was sold out like almost right away. So I repressed it, and there's a live show on the B-side from what he played in, I believe, in Korea. And then there's a teaser for some new material he has coming out in a full length. So there's an additional track on the new uh, tape. That's where I got the Korea from, because I saw that the live tracks were in Korea. Now now it's, it's all coming back to me. All right, so, um, is I mean, is there, is that guy, do you know if that guy's doing anything? Like, what's going on with him? I hear from him, like, rarely. He's a super weird guy? No, maybe our, our, <laughs> not to my knowledge. Oh, God, one of the weirdest people ever has got to be Philo Medusa. I, That's a different conversation. Oh, boy. Do you want to get into that conversation? Do you want to have fun? Yeah. Well, Philo Medusa. I, I have worked with Philo Medusa. That's the, is that Big Frog or is that Big, a different person? That's, no, okay. that's Big Frog. Okay. <laughs> Let me just preface this a little bit. Adam Rotella informed me uh, several years ago now. This is going back a while, the whole Big Frog phenomenon. That um, he got like uh, some noise project that didn't have any labeling to it or anything. It was just like a CD, I guess, sent to him anonymously in the mail. And other people he knew in the noise scene were getting the same thing. I know what CD that is. Okay, it's like the ring. It's like the ring. This is this is this gets weird. And I we got to get Adam to get to give his take on it too. We'll call up Adam uh, you know, on on another episode, or when we get Adam down in the studio, we got to remember to ask him about this because this was weird. This guy, Big Frog. 
he was making like the anal birth style noise and then like kind of like just regular noise and experimental stuff and he had all these projects that were all about frogs they were like obsessive with frogs right isn't Philomedusa isn't that about frogs Philomedusa is like the species of frog is the frog that excretes hallucinogenic venom yes um, I don't know why he chose that, but yeah, Follow Medusa. It's a, a lot of it's like amphibian-based lyrical shit. But he has the the CD you're talking about is uh, it was a project he did called Lake Groom, but it was spelled backwards, so it was like Ekalumorg. Okay. But that's um, that's a lake around the Area 51, like region. So the whole CD was. I guess what he does is like if you ordered from him, he'll take stuff and he'll just send it to you for free. Like he sent me like two or three pound packages for nothing. One of the packages had one tape in it, and it was stuffed with fake blood spattered leaves with a note that said, I need help. Like that, Jeez. He, he, he's released some of the best shit that I've heard in recent years. Yeah, uh, it almost, I encourage the listeners to look up Philo Medusa and this big frog for not, because he's got tons of other projects. The, the Lake Groom one was, every copy came with a personalized note, because he knew, he had your address, he had your information, yeah. because you had ordered from him. Yeah. But it was everything was intentionally spelled wrong. But the note essentially alluded to like he's been watching you and needs your help with something. And it was just a lot of like cut up harsh noise spliced with uh, shit. Art Bell, coast Art, to coast AM, yeah, coast to coast. with like with UFO call-ins were uh, as like samples. Yeah, so- they, it came wrapped in tin foil, and the CD had like a weird powder on it. It was fucking. Yeah, if you want to get into that, I was I I would suggest getting a PO box. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. But also a little doxy. The uh, the return address for that was the the space division of the Smithsonian. Like it wasn't his own return address. Wow. Oh man. Yeah, so that's what you can get into when you start collecting underground noise core tapes. Thank you. Weird powder. <laughs> I got I got I could go should I even tell I gotta tell this story. Alright, tell a story, yeah, man. Can. I love Cause, stories. Cause this, this is like charming kind of performance art, like breaking forth wall and like it's it's almost like, you know, how like people used to believe that KISS were from outer space and Alice Cooper really like <laughs> fucked dead people or whatever he did. Yeah. Like like it's like this noise core guy's really crazy. Hopefully he's not he's not that crazy, but like you know what I mean? Like you sure it was fake blood, right? I can't be certain. Alright. But <laughs> But th- there was a guy in the 90s, um, I believe the band was Excremento from Costa Rica. Adam, Adam would know the name, but this guy actually, he never did, he never caught me or Adam like this, but he sent pubic hair to more than one person and, and it was a weird thing. Yeah, this guy was crazy. And I believe this was also the guy that would ask people for like, their their sisters panties or something and like he would he would trade tapes to people and then get weird i guess the story was and um he did send pubic hair to, to one person I, i'm not gonna out the person but it was somebody who uh was in a band and did a label in the 90s and i remember hearing the story that they opened up the envelope and were like ah what the fuck <laughs> you know what i mean it smells like sweat the guy <laughs> yeah the guy did actually send me a letter once to order like a, i think a biolich tape or a liquefied magus tape or something did you send him your pubes no 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 one has ever no, no. Those are I, those I, are yours. Those I've are never yours. taken those my. Yours. Yeah, I've received they, human they, hair as part yeah. of a package before. Let's not talk about. I don't. I don't. I didn't do a podcast to talk about my pubes. I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> I yeah, I, I'm a little embarrassed that I uh, even said that word here. We're supposed to be I, talking about death metal. I, I, I started a podcast for that. It's called Rose Porter Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep it over there. I just think if somebody's mailing pubes around, uh, you gotta get what's coming to you. I would call the cops. But I never got that. I did get several, like, 
pages from a like it was like some like I guess Costa Rican like swimsuit magazine and pictures of these girls, mamacitas. And I threw it out because if this guy's mailing pubic hairs, who knows what's on the, that those yeah, pages? No, so that's yeah, not yeah. good. So I just took the address and I sent him the tape and I washed my hands of the whole thing. It was creepy, but literally, I hope. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not- yeah. <laughs> Purell, good luck. Purelled it up. You know what I'm saying? I, I warned the mailman who who left it there in the mailbox. I said, guy, I don't, you know, but. But but yeah, getting back yeah that that actually happened. That's a true noise core tape trading story. So the PO box might actually be a good idea, like Tom said. In, oh, in all sure. honesty, but um yeah, this big frog. Look into big frog and file a Medusa man. Imagine if we could get him for a podcast. He is without a doubt one of the most odd people I've ever. He's reclusive. Like you can't really get in touch with him. In touch with like you like you just got to order tapes and stuff. It's not like you can really. I, I've released a file of Medusa tape because I wanted to work with him, so I just emailed him through his band camp. And it, it wasn't like he didn't just be like, "Hey, what's going on?" He goes, "Oh, many bulbous croaks to you." Like he literally, <laughs> he he keeps yes. that persona yes. going. Like he yes. talks like he is an anthropomorphic frog. I it's fucking it. wild. Oh, wow, it. dude! Mm, Thanksgiving of flies, right to you. Mm. I feel like such a fraud because all I do is talk like a frog over death metal bands, but I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not living the life. I'm like the equivalent in frogs of like a gangster rapper who's not really a gangster. Yeah, like I'm just on the mic. I'm a frog in the vocal booth. You know, no, that's, that's fine, it. dude. You don't want to be that like spirit or white type. You, you know? don't need yeah. to like yeah. because you sound like a frog. You need to think like a frog. You know, you Com- don't have to. Comparing it to spirit of the way only makes me want it more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, then forget I said that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I got to give him credit for keeping in character all the time. Uh, as far as anybody <laughs> else, <laughs> is important. Anybody yeah. I've spoken to has never actually interacted with him as a human being, just his frog persona. That's what I mean. I love that. Dude. Should we try that's, to get him on? We should, but that's pro wrestling. I respect frogs. Like I don't kill frogs. I I have a lot of respect for this guy as an artist. With just the way you've been describing, because I wanted to make that point when we talk about it. That mm-hmm. it's not just the guy that makes tapes. Like yeah. This he, is a character. He, yeah. he he does extra shit. Like it's not just about selling a tape for four dollars for this guy. He's no, he's not on some shit. It's fully immersive. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, this yeah, is this I mean, dude's life for yeah, sure. Yeah, you're he, saying he's sending out like postage for way more than what people are sending in for. I once got a tape called Purple Frog Cult. And it was it came with again like another personalized letter that said, Hey, I found this in the woods. I don't know what to do with it. And I think you might know what to do with it. So it's like he's just really keeping in that persona. And what the whole tape is, it's it's almost like it's found audio, but it's these two dudes that are walking in the forest and stumble upon a literal frog cult and get attacked. And then it just breaks into like manic fucking blowing out gore noise. What? I should have brought that fucking it's, tape. It's brilliant. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely brilliant. Yes. Uh, I love that, man. It's so awesome, dude. I have the right kind of headache right now. <laughs> I, it, it, uh, it was just, it brings back certain, like when you used to do mail and do the, the snail mail thing all the time, man, there were some people that would just, there were some people that made it weird, like Excremento guy that I talked about, and there were some people that made it fun, man. Like there was a guy, I really think it was one of the members of Exhumed. But if you used to write to Exhumed back before Relapse, like early 90s, they had, they had like, a, like a million demo cassettes. They would come out with a new demo cassette like every couple of months back in the 90s. And if you wrote to them to order these uh, tapes, you'd get a letter back from a guy named Pearly Penile Papnuth, <laughs> who was their manager, I guess. And, and it was, yeah, and it was like... Uh, you know, it was like kind of like he would write these kind of like sarcastic or like funny kind of like little short notes to you or whatever. Man, Adam, had, I never actually wrote to them, but Adam showed me this. Adam used to. Adam had like all the exhumed demos and the letters and shit like that, man. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, I know it's gross, but it's funny. And there's like. 
just certain people would really get into it, man, and, and really like be, be funny about it and make it like you looked forward to getting a letter from this person. You know what I mean? I love bands that bring on the personality thing and stick with it all the way through. Oh yeah. Uh, Ghoul does that really well. Yes. Like yes. all their online shit, they are just they're ready to eat people. It's yeah. Great. All from Creepsylvania. Something about staying in character, man. I mean, not that I do it with any of my bands, but something about like, you're not going to see me with the space goggles on buying groceries, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about staying in character that I really appreciate and I have so much respect for, uh, for people as artists, man. So, yeah, so that, that big, anything else about Big Frog you want to talk about? What, what was the tape? Is it still available? or? It, it was never like for sale on the, the Bandcamp website. It was just something he sent out to people. Okay, all right. That's the thing. You kind of got to be in the circle for a lot of this stuff, man. It doesn't really hit the internet, which I love too, man. It brings back that kind of like clandestine underground vibe. Similar thing with Mike. We had Mike Zancelli from Paragon Records in here, and he does have a website, but he's very under the radar, very low tech, and he just kind of yeah. he, he's still keeping that old school snail mail trading scene alive. That's his, like his main thing, you know. I remember meeting him too, and like he just he he didn't even have his dish draw. He just had a box of shit in his car, which yeah. did some big trade. Yeah, man. Yeah, Mike's the best dude. Real good dude. And awesome. it's it's great to have had him and you because he's older than me. He used to get me into shows and pick me up and give me rides to shows, uh, you know, because I was the young guy. And you kind of came up a few years younger than me, man. So I really like the fact that we're getting your label and exposing what you do because you're doing something totally left field with this, man. You know, I don't. I'm sure there's other labels that do the DIY thing, but all your releases come out so good, man. And I really encourage I all the listeners to check out your at least your store envy and maybe see what you got for sale and get a tape. And maybe from then on, the like the wormhole start starting to start checking out all this other stuff you got for sale, man. There's so much, so much crazy stuff, and it's really get to like it's it's nice to find projects and bands that you can't Google. And you can't, you know, like, like you, you don't know what the fuck it's all about, man, you know? Well, here we go on exclusives again, you know? <laughs> Heavy hole. We yeah. talk about this shit. I actually want to get into that real quick. Yeah. I want that box to open up, dog. Okay, we said we were going to save it for last, and it <laughs> sounds it to me like we're wrapping it up. This is, we talked about the um, uh, Couple Skate Mince Gore cassette tape that you put out, uh, one of your first releases, right? Uh, it wasn't one of my first, but it was, it was supposed to have been there last. Okay, all right, so I'm totally wrong. Uh, but it comes in this interesting box. It looks like a kind of like a cardboard fold box that you would buy like screws in at the hardware store or something of that. Yeah, it's, it's essentially just like a, an individual cassette mailer. But when you open it up, I'm going to open it up for the mic right now. Everybody be quiet, check it out. <laughs> I hope she's okay. Yeah. I do. I really. I hope she made it. Um, what, <laughs> you what, are we, what are we listening to then? Uh, that's just a random scream I found on YouTube. But no, I, but uh, walk us through the process yeah. of building this machine, man. So for for that version, I only made ten. So the uh, the regular tape that came in, they came in boxes just like that that were screen printed. Okay. Uh, they came in different versions. I would uh, like I screen print. Same thing as I do everything else. I got out of my house. Like I taught myself how to do that. So I screen printed the boxes. I mixed the ink up so it's like some of it looks like slime, some of it looks like dried blood. But this version, I only made ten. I bought uh, like birthday card, like I guess voice modules. And me and Kyle went back and forth just recording like vomity gore vocals. And this one was the one I just settled on. I'm like, I'm just gonna do a scream. I don't feel like yelling anymore myself. So when you open the box, it yells at you. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> and how did you get the modules for the greeting cards? eBay. So you, you can get the, like, just, like, regular without a card or anything? You just get them by themselves? It, yeah, it originally started as there was a band called Happy Birthday from the Midwest. 
um, that I wanted to do a happy birthday birthday card. So I want I oh, it was like st- kind of super gimmicky and kind of stupid, but I wanted you to like just get a birthday card. You open it up and the band's music plays. I think it holds two minutes of music for, on the module. Okay, so the you modulator. get a, really you can get like a, 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 a grind EP on there. You know? it, it never it never happened, but this did. So I'm happy about that. Wow, man. Yeah, and um, it's so it's uh, it's so much fun. Like this is a <laughs> this is great. Like. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I had to do it. <laughs> imagine, like, imagine if you if you had like the resources to do more of this stuff, and then people were buying this, but they you just sold it as the set, and then they yeah. got this. Fucking phenomenal! I love this idea, man. Yeah, there was no like pre-order or like reserve for this. It was just if somebody ordered like ten random people got these tapes, right? <laughs> Which is great. I mean, like this is all that DIY shit. Um, it's it's creative. It's really like it's impressive. I really like what you do with these releases. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I know you've talked uh, just casually with me a little bit about um, just bring getting your stuff. I guess uh, maybe like a little bit more available on the internet and um, like working with uh, you know distributing stuff a little bit, like kind of like stepping up your game a little bit in, in certain respects. Yeah, I stopped doing the O cards because now that I have the means to do more, like I don't want to keep it limited. I don't want to make limited releases for the sake of rarity. And what's an O card just for this? Uh, it's just a it's just a paper sleeve I knew over that. the tape. They just I, referred I totally to as an O card. That. Instead I, of a jewel case, you just wrap. It's not even in the shape of an yeah. O. It's a square. I, Tom and Justin were scared to ask. That's why I asked, <laughs> even though I already know. Thank I, you, Will. It's <laughs> it's been allegedly a good time. I'm gonna put my <laughs> I'm gonna put my pencil away because the class is done now. I, know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what O card was. <laughs> Truth comes out. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I have, I actually have Tupac. Uh, I get around cassette single in an old card from the nineties. It's a Beach Boys cover. That's. <laughs> I actually that recently. A, that would be a fun match. I recently bought two Labouche singles from the nineties. Labouche. Yes. What song was in, in that? In those O cards. Was it like B? It, it was Be My Lover and something else. I forget the other. My, my girlfriend likes it. So I was right though, right? Yeah. Yo, don't don't step to me That's on that nineties shit. Man. Uh, yeah. Great too. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We're getting the Labouche here, bro. This is getting weird. Now, John, I um, I don't even know if I asked you. Did did you come prepared to talk about an old and a new album? All right. So, uh, John, now we're gonna move into uh, album recommendations, and um, I had to pump the brakes. Uh, we had to reformat a little bit. You did for the first time, actually. This is yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you recommended Triumvir Foul, and what's the name of the new album? You know what? It's a urine of abomination. That's what it is. Urine of <laughs> abomination, which Justin brought to the table. Uh, do we remember what episode that was? Um, I don't. Mm. But it's it, it will have come out by the time. Yeah. So, 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 listeners, heard it. Yeah, hit us up on that social media and let us know what episode it was. <laughs> <laughs> Justin definitely recommended it, though. We talked about it. We played it. John, you got great taste. Uh, and you also are prepared to talk about another new release. So shout out to Triumvir Fowl, killing it. Here's John's other new pick that he wants to tell you about. Uh, my other new pick is Rain and Bud. It's going to be, it's an upcoming album from this Detroit grime band called Shit Life. Just killer band, like from, from their inception. Shit, I want to say probably maybe 2006 or seven. I could be totally wrong about that, but they were a more like mince leaning grime band, like I like mid-paced stuff, but they just pulled out all the stops. They're getting better and better with every release, and I'm really excited to hear the full album of Rain and Bud, but also be a part of the release. Fuck yeah, man. This is a drummer? 
Yeah, that is it, some it, drum it's, sound. It's just two dudes. That kick drum is fucking brutal. That that is that is pretty sick <clears throat> drum production. And their their album before this Grave Shitter was phenomenal. This is sick. Yeah, that fucking drum sound is like it's so punchy. It like makes everything duck with the compression. Like oh yeah, gets right in your face. It's like this yeah. uh, limited, just smashed. Yes, absolutely smashed drum sound. The clunkiness of the kick drums, the way they kind of clunk together, reminds me of like Dead Infection. You know what I mean? It's just got that, oh, the double bass is so sick, and the blast beats are so tight. I, you really could have told me this was a drum machine. I wouldn't have caught on for a minute. No, these, these dudes are no joke, man. Everything they've done is absolutely killer. I got to see them at Anti-Music Fest last year in uh, Dayton, Ohio, which is put on by Isaac from uh, Sulfuric Cautery and his wife, and they did a great job with shit life. And also, Sissy Spacek was like a highlight of the fest. Seeing wow. those bands live was incredible. Sissy Spacek, kind of a throwback uh, power violence band from the 90s. Uh, like noisecore band? Uh, there yeah. was. There was like noisecore bands. No, yeah, yeah. I, 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 these genre names, guys. <laughs> I don't get too tied up in I got, I got a flexi of theirs. They put out like a flexi 7 inch at one yes. point that I got. Yeah, Sissy Spacek. That's a band people can check out too, man. Now, you, you mentioned that the, these guys, uh, Shit Life, started out a little bit more of the mince variety of grindcore. Yeah. What's what is that, man? I know it has something to do with like Agathocles sound, right? I mean, it, as far as Agathocles just kind of called themselves mints to set themselves apart from other people in the okay. genre, and it was just more like mid-paced grind. Okay, like more catchy grind, maybe with a little bit of like old school hardcore, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, man. That's what I kind of like took from it. Was all right, man. This, a little this, more two-step. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you, you you mince it up a little bit. All right, all right, man. So this is the new shit life album. What's it called again? Rain and Bud. Rain and Bud. All right, man. This shit is fucking cool. Justin, what do you got? All right, so my new album this week, I have Gamora's self-titled album, Gomorrah. Uh, released March 2019 off of No Light Records. Uh, this this is a is a pretty kind of cool modern style of like very clean produced, very slick production death metal. Uh, it's a two-man project. Jeff Bryan does the vocals, and Bowen Matheson uh, the guitars. And, and he programs the drums as well, but actually on this release, they enlisted the talent of Hans Grossman uh, Great. on drums. Necrophages and Obscura, yeah. Blotted Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to really, say the really bad really cool. guy from uh, Die Hard 2. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Christmas movie. Uh, is it? No, it's not. Um, oh, that was the original, my bad. So, yeah, actually, uh, uh, Hans Grossman uh, recorded, mixed, and produced, mastered this record. Uh, wrote all the drums for it, you know, with, uh, with some program, like, reference tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I see this as kind of a really slick, super modern death metal release. Um, shorter songs. Uh, yeah, just just kind of hits me hits me in the right way when I kind of, you know, when I'm... when 
you know, in, in all honesty, I get I get bored of listening to lo-fi shit. So sometimes I want to hear some really really clean, you know, clean kind of stuff. And snap. Um, it it reminds me of like songwriting wise, uh, some some two thousands behemoth. Um, and some early 2000s decapitated, I think. It's got, it's got a little bit of groove to it. It's got this atmosphere, uh, some weird dissonance, you know, some down-tempo kind of stuff, but uh, super, it's technical, it's heavy. It's, you know, everything I can ask for from from what I think is like a really experimental, forward-thinking, like two-man group kind of driving the creative of this band. Check out Gamora. Sounds tight, yeah. Yeah, I'm really liking the atmosphere they're setting with the guitars right now. Very dark. The vocals are sick, too. Seven inch right here by the band Crack House. They're seven inch smoke crack in hell. <laughs> this shit is tight. Um, wow, look at that artwork. That artwork is really tight. It's amazing, right? So this was released December thirty first, two thousand eighteen, on Horror Pain Gore product. Oh, excuse me, Horror Pain Gore Death. Death. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Man, what a cool label. They this got a solid label. Yeah, they yeah. got a lot of really cool shit on there. Yes, they uh, they're out of Philly. This band's also out of Philly. Uh, this was produced at Panther Audio Productions in Philly as well. So all these Philly boys. Sick artwork by Tony Champ. You got to check this artwork out. It is creepy and uh, something else. The band got two amigos from the band Eat the Turnbuckle. Uh oh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Very, very violent professional wrestling themed violence band. Uh, is there another genre? There are uh, extreme rules. I don't know. A Hardcore match. Extreme violence. No disqualification band. Yeah. yeah. So that's the Eat the Turnbuckle stuff. So I guess these guys, uh, Chubbs and Schlack, are in another band. Both these guys are playing guitar and doing vocals. Schlack is in this band. Yeah, I was yes. going to ask if Schlack is a part of it. I've, I've yeah. met Schlack and I, I did hang out with him one time. He booked. Um, well, I, I guess him and Gutter Christ, I guess, collectively booked a fest in Philadelphia one time that Artificial Brain played. And I've seen him over the years once or twice, man. Not like a close personal friend, but I had the opportunity to hang out with him and talk with him. Uh, we, we, we we broke dawn one night, me, him, and Rob Wharton and a few people uh, during that like New Jersey grind fest, man. Crazy guy. His voice, like he wakes up in the morning and his voice sounds like after I get done playing like a set. Really? Like, like that guy's voice on a good day is like, ah, how you doing? What's up? When I first <laughs> met him, 
I had just gotten done performing and I was like talking to somebody. I was like, yeah, it was a good show, whatever. Because this is how I talk after I play a set. And he's like, you sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I drank a beer with the guy, man. Good, good guy, Slack. Little, little out there, man, but I'm a big fan of his. Dude, he'll be, uh, he'll be doing a, I think a, a no-ring wrestling match like Death Set at Necrofest. Or Deathmatch, rather. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's the type of thing Slack would be doing. Oh, yeah. Sounds like Slack. I'm so just helping that. Valentine, uh, no ring Deathmatch champion. Yeah. Maybe you'll see him over there. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, either way, uh, Crackhouse is a cool band. And this is their third release. And I, I stumbled across this. Liked it a lot. Having a good time. It's a sexual I haven't, time. I haven't smoked any crack at all. <laughs> but I can imagine. You know? They're throwing me right in there. Um... Yeah, so this is a cool release. Like I said, Horror, Pain, Gore, Death Productions. Check out that label. Awesome label. This is a prime example of what they have to offer. Really good shit. Smoke, crack, and hell, everybody. Uh, the artwork is really amazing, <laughs> too. So I love fun. that cover artwork, man. Yeah. And um, I love Philly, man. A lot, a lot of good friends down there in Philly, people from South Jersey, and people who come out to Philly shows, man. They have a great scene down there in Philly, a lot of great bands. Um, and there's some scary parts of Philly. Oh yeah, the, 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 I had to preface all that Philly love, you know. But th there's some parts of Philly that are scary, man. That um, uh, you know, just the idea of uh, this band calling itself Crack House, smoke crack and hell, man. It's just you know, there's they have a very uh, they have a, they have a very serious drug problem, an epidemic going on in Philadelphia, man. And uh, you know, the, our art reflects life, man. So, so I just want to throw that in there, man. Something very interesting. Yeah, I, I found out about it. Yeah, so Philly's rough, and uh, go check out their band camp. They got uh, the seven inches up. They got three different colors of the vinyl. They got crack rock clear. <laughs> they got piss yellow vinyl and the uh, violent assaulted violet color. Uh, I, I, I picked up the, the piss yellow because you know, I'm a sucker for yellow. <laughs> you know, it's the sun and you know, leave, your, your, leave your imaginations at home. Yeah, I mean, this... I heard of the band Leftover Crack. This is just like all the crack. So you much know. crack, dude. This is this is for fans of like the Razorback Records, uh, yeah. you know, Frightmare style yeah. cool shit. It's, I, it's cool grindcore. They're having fun with it, but they're also pros. I was trying to um, think how to describe it, and I like the way you put it like that. The Razorback Records kind of syndrome where there's like a little bit of that tongue-in-cheek tongue thrash, gore, death metal, punk. Like Impetigo, maybe kind of style, man. Like I, I, I do like that, man. Like a, you know, kind of like like ninja zombies on skateboards or something. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, like I mean, done, we're, all, we're all into weird shit. Sorry, what? Yeah, but like done really well, despite it being like gimmicky and like not gimmicky for the sake of sales or anything else. Just like having fun with it. Yeah, that's yeah. the best part yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And almost like a cannabis corpse type of vibe. I, I, th I think the artwork really took me there with the kind of like ghouls doing the drugs and stuff, man, like drug ghouls or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm friends with the Cannabis Corpse guys and I'm going to say you got to step it up because weed's just not cutting it anymore. It's getting legal. It's not even funny, guys. Yeah, it's all about crack now. Yeah, you got to smoke crack. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how much crack there is in hell? And the good stuff, probably. Never having done crack. <laughs> <laughs>
I want to talk about the new EP by Long Island's own False Gods. Um, right. It's called The Serpent and the Ladder. It's a two-song EP that they just put out a few days ago. It was actually premiered by Decibel Magazine, so they don't need me to talk about it right now. They're, they, they're on the bigger and better things. But uh, I really I, I love this band. I love the guys in this band, um, even more so now that they've uh, like enriched the lineup with uh, Nick Luizzi and Johnny Girak from uh, Locus Mortis. Mm. They, they got Very some fresh cool. blood in there uh, this time, uh, rounding out the lineup of uh, brothers Mikey Stack on vocals and Paulie Stack on drums <laughs> and their guitarist Greg March. Uh, I go back with those, those three in particular because um, they're a little older. I, I know those guys a very long time. Uh, and this band kind of... Uh, they, they've been around uh, since, I, I want to say, 2015. Um, I probably should know since I'm talking about it. But the, these guys have... Uh, this is their third EP. To me, it shows a lot of progress and a lot of growth. They kind of do this sludgy, uh, psychedelic doom metal thing. It's like a little bit neurosis, a little bit crowbar. Maybe, uh, maybe a little bit, I don't know, something 80s, like new wave, dark, goth thing about the guitars like the, the, the guitars go this really dark place that i love sometimes and the vocals mikey stack more of a, a seasoned uh long island kind of like hardcore punk singer yeah from, uh, uh, Ag- from, from yeah, yeah thank you for reminding me you. same yeah. singer as agony kings formerly what doesn't kill me um really i've watched him there was a band called skeleton dealer he was in which had a similar slowed kind of doom vibe before this band those guys have been in a lot of a lot of different uh bands that crew of people and i've watched mikey develop his voice over the last several years to this more moaning like i don't want to call it singing like he's just singing melodic clean he's like moaning and screaming melodically and yelling with the music and the first two eps are great but there's something about this one where like they really drove it home and uh, uh, like the all the all the parts uh, are are working as something big you know it's it's bigger than the sum of its parts i'm trying to say um so atmospheric so moody and when you see these guys live as much as i love this recording and i urge you to check it out if you have the opportunity to see false gods live that's where they really shine um just such a great live band uh, of of course partially because of Mike the singer and his stage presence and now also uh, with this like kind of revamped um, my brain's not working because I'm tired <laughs> this revamped uh, uh, completed lineup they really put on such a good show man so check out False Gods Live and watch their uh, their ascent that they're on right now man because I was really excited to see Decibel cover these guys uh, it's a band full of guys that have really been slugging it out hard in the in the underground scene here on Long Island and don't get the recognition they deserve. So I'm so glad to see Decibel covering it and other websites giving it the, um, the proper exposure, man. This is a band that I've watched develop for a few years now and I've watched the members in other bands and there's really something special going on at this point where they're coming into their own. So that's the new False Gods EP, uh, the, the Serpent and the Ladder. This is awesome, man. Yeah, I've been seeing this being shared around the last few days. I'm happy about that. Because like, Mikey's been around forever. Yeah, Skel- Skeleton Dealer, Agony Kings, What Doesn't Kill Me. Yeah, I all, mean, you all wanna, solid bands. You want to talk about like real deal Long Island underground diehard lifer like the, Mikey Stack, the singer of this band, just the real deal, man. All all these guys are real deal, but Mike is like 
I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe it. He's like the real life version of, of uh, what a lot of people uh, talk about when they talk tough. <laughs> a lot of these like old school, old school metal and hardcore guys that talk tough, man. Mikey's just the real life version of that, and that's why he's not going to brag to you about how tough he is. He's just going to do it, pass you the bottle of Jack or whatever's going on, man. He's a fucking crazy dude, man. Had a lot of good times. John, what do you got, man? Uh, swallowing shit. I guess, like we said before, of, uh, members of Propagandi, grindcore band from Canada. This is one of the first bands that really introduced me to like just crazy, heavy, fast shit outside of the world of punk rock. And yeah. I was blown away. Like it was from hearing this, like I want to hear more and more and more. It's like this is the band that essentially ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom Ander turned me onto this band when we were first forming Buckshot Facelift around that era. I know he was a pro- probably, I would imagine, through the propaganda, the propaganda influence. Yeah, them and uh, Head Hits Concrete, yeah. where we both have the both have the propaganda connection. Yeah, it was like Canadian grind that just really got me going. It was like fucking uh, Dahmer was definitely a first for me too, and that was still is amazing. What's that snare drum? That snare drum is just like the best S- snare. snare. Go 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 go. Oh, this is a different recording. Yeah. Into it. And this will never get old for me. Like, I, I listened to this the other day and I still love it as much as I did when I first heard it back in, like, probably ninth grade. Okay, now, um, a classic <laughs> recommendation this week. Heavy Hole. My friends, everybody, how you doing? Um, I have Exhaust's 1992 demo, Escapism. And now this band is really funny because this is all you're ever going to get from this band. This is a, uh, a band from Denmark. Uh, okay. Danish, which I just learned. That's Those are people from Denmark? Well, you were drinking the other night. 
Yeah, that's and unfortunate. Danish and Denmark was different for you, but yeah. now we're here. History lessons, <laughs> or geographical lessons geographical on the lessons, Heavy Hole yes. podcast. The hole is a place in geography as well, right? That's where we are. Mm-hmm. So, Exhaust, 1992 demo, Escapism. That's all you're going to fucking get right here. You can't find anything about this band. There's no information. Apparently, some members from this band joined, like, some rock industrial, like, uh, bands, but you can't find the name of it. They're gone. It's done. No idea where it is. Um, the song Time of Pleasure off of this record appeared on the 1992 compilation Fuck You, We're From Denmark, Volume 1, <laughs> which I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through. I'm going to thumb through that compilation and see maybe get in touch with some other bands, uh, maybe we're friends with them, maybe borrow a cup of sugar next door. I assume everybody in Denmark lives in the same block. They live very yes. close. Yeah, yes. very, very close. So maybe they know where these guys went. But this is some good fucking death metal. Just European, classic, 1992, like, ex- extreme shit going on. And, um, fuck, dude, this is, this is in the hole. This is what <laughs> we're about. Yeah. This is really good. This is really nice death metal. It's the, uh, I mean, this is their only release, so this is a cherry. You got yeah. one cherry. It's beautiful. So I, I, I would like to mention that I found this this album on, on the uh, uh, subreddit, Demo Death, which still, I think they I think they lost a member. I think there's only five members now, and, and two of them are sitting at this table. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Demo, Guy, Demo it, Death. It's a, a, whoever set that up, we said it before in another podcast, but whoever set that up, uh, awesome subreddit. Great demos from from all all periods, all about death metal. everywhere. Yeah, he's got very strict rules about posting, but guy, demo death, you're the only one who posts. And where have you been? It's been months. <laughs> we miss you. Come back. Email the heavy hole, heavy hole at, at podcast.gmail.com. Is that what it is? Yes, yeah. we'll get into that okay. later. All right, he was right. <laughs> Exhaust, es- escapism. Uh, dig into it, man. This is some history. This is this is a, a, a diamond in the rough. Yeah. This is a rare find. This is buried treasure. One of those lost jewels of it. death metal, man, yeah. Mm. Very interesting, man. There's a lot of uh, it comes up a lot in conversation uh I, I think I think with I think with Dan Gargiulo and some of the artificial brain guys we mentioned sometimes how like we all worship these albums, these older death metal albums that are like brilliant and well written everything and like a lot of them were recorded by like guys who were like 21, 22 years old. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, like and mm-hmm. Not to uh, not not to put down any of the listeners who are younger or anything, but you know, being like thirty six or thirty seven, and you're sitting here like, wow, something that somebody made when they were twenty years old like impacted my life in, into adulthood, and like I still try to figure it out and revere it, man. It's 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 interesting, you know. So the, I mean, this band, I imagine these guys were probably young teenagers or in their twenties, recorded some demo, moved on, you know what I mean? Now mm-hmm. they're doing something completely removed, and here we are. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this is so sick. Listen to this riff. It's just interesting to me, you know what I mean? That you can create something in your youth. You know, even like people people still are trying to track down BioLich and listen to BioLich, and to me, I'm just like, that's like something kind of silly me and my friends did when we were kids, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy how it leaves such an impact, you know, and people could still find something in it after all these years. I, 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 re- I will say I recently found just... I think almost the entire Biolich discography on a blog spot that's somehow still up. Oh yeah, I don't know if you guys it, ran it. But. Yeah, I mentioned it once before. I think it's like Biolich was here blog spot or something. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have anything to do with that. That's like two guys, I guess that are that are into Biolich or something, man. I don't know. But um, 
if it was, if it was up to me, you wouldn't be able to find any of that shit. <laughs> I dead. feel like most people in bands feel that way. Don't listen yeah. to my shit. It's not yeah. good enough. But you know, get, the, the, get the new shit, yeah. but the old shit, you're done. Yeah. That's the power of this music, man. Um, but you don't have that option with exhaust. You just have to get the old shit. Right. That's so the best exhaust, man. That's the best part about bands like this is it's so real and genuine, and it, the fact that like you know you want to hear more, you just never be able to. But yeah. that's part of the the allure of it is like it's this one thing that you say like these kids did, and it does have a lasting impact. And this is really something special. I'm hearing the the guitars and the atmosphere. It's not, it's not your generic death metal. Nah, man. Uh, yeah, this this is this is why it, uh, it perked my ears up when I heard uh-huh. it. I was like, Surprised that they didn't not not only that the band didn't do anything else, but that the members didn't kind of go on because there's some serious talent going on there. That's one of the I mean it's it's one of the saddest parts if you think about it, but it's also one of the best parts of death metal is that some of these you you, you search for these bands, you find some obscure band like this, some obscure gem, and you just hear this brilliant writing and brilliant yeah. like mass you know mastery of like craft in a way. And then it's gone. <laughs> then, yeah. then they went to college or something. You know what I mean? It's 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 just interesting, but it's just there. And it's like it's like you said. It's like finding a little diamond in the rough or something. It's a little lost jewel, you know. I was like listening to uh, Tim's band. He mentioned in the podcast from back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, Smut. When we that, was, that Tim. stuff was yeah. a great killer. Great fucking band. Oh yeah, that that blew me away too. I I was just I was in the record store maybe like a year before we recorded that podcast with him. And I was in record reserve, uh, just like buying some stuff. And I, you know, he carries buckshot stuff sometimes. And uh, he just gave me the CD. He was like, "Hey, man, this is my old band." You know, like, like it was no big deal that he was in like a proto death metal band in like '85. Yeah. Like, I would just think that's normal. You know, like <laughs> that was very bizarre listening to that, knowing the time it came from. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Oh man, like, yeah, you can throw that right up there with Seven Churches shit or the early, mm-hmm. you know, the Possessed demo and. Wow, it's like... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that was a, a couple of years before. Yep, much like this, a lost gem, you know? Yeah. I mean, what is this, 91? 92. 92, yeah, so... So I got this Gorguts, and then comes Lividity. Yes. 1990. I was there. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was eight years old. I'm upset. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky just won his fourth Stanley Cup. Yeah. The, the Bushwhackers were killing it in WWF. Licking foreheads. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're not familiar with it, this th- that's okay because that's why you're here. You're listening to this podcast because we inform. So Gorguts, if you're not familiar, is a band from Montreal, the brainchild of Luc LeMay, a musical genius who has done many different angles and approaches to his musical creation. But this is his first compilation demo, if you would. Now, there's four songs on this, but they had two demos out before, but they ended up just kind of compiling them into a third demo and then adding a couple more. Um, Re-recorded, but the song structures were all there. So, we've got this early Luke LeMay, who's just like, he's colored sands. Mm. Listen to that man today. Mm. This is the early version of that, and you can really hear it retrospectively. If I heard this, if I was like a few years older, and I heard this at the time, I wouldn't know. No one would know, hearing this, how that would translate to now. I mean, yeah. if everyone knew that, then we'd all be geniuses. We would have <laughs> invested in AMD like three years ago. And then you play the lottery tickets all the time, because you know the future. Exactly. But it's really cool finding this, looking back retrospectively, and uh, checking this shit out. Um, it's their first lineup, which was uh, Luke LeMay, as I mentioned. A dude named Gary Chaunard, uh, who is on also guitar. We have uh, Stefan Provencle. Chair, who's on bass, uh, excuse me, drums, Eric, Guy, I can't pronounce these fucking Montreal names, <laughs> Eric Guy Gear, Guy Poutine, yeah, Guy Poutine, he's on bass, I think I got that all right, my notes are a little scrambled, mm-hmm. excuse me guys, but, just give this a listen, this is uh, really the the first step in a legacy, mm-hmm. Gorgot's going through so many cool changes, and Luke LeMay just like taking it from one place to another, it's 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 as uh, sincere as you can get. There's nothing contrived about this, and the riffs are fantastic. Uh, bass playing is is uh, atmospheric in itself. There's something going on here. It's very special. And uh, Borgut's the band they are today. Um, this is a really nice trace. This mm-hmm. is not like a skid mark. Look at the beginning of our career that we're trying to erase. This is like. They should be very happy with this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people who um, uh, either either only listen to, like, newer gore guts and they don't they have never even heard, like, uh, Considered Dead or any of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know some people who don't really venture past, uh, like, Obscura or something. You know what I mean? They can't really check out. Or maybe from Wisdom to Hate, they stop at, man. It's... I mean, Gorguts, I've even said before, like, Colored Sands and Politi's Dust, uh, those albums were hard for me to listen to, and I felt like I didn't really understand them until a few years after they came out. It took me a while. Like, those albums had to marinate on me. You know what I mean, man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a ahead-of-its-time band, man. Honestly. Yeah, and e- even Obscura. From Wisdom to Hate was a little easier for me to listen mm-hmm. to, but Obscura, I'm still, even now, I'll listen to Obscura and kind of just... It's like it's like a little unfamiliar to me, even though I've listened to like you know I, I've tried to understand that album, and I believe they actually wrote that album in '94, and then released it several years later for whatever the, the purpose was. But maybe imagine that 1994, if I'm not mistaken, writing like, that material. Yeah, what? obscure. You listen to it, and it's like there, there's something about mm. the way they're using those instruments that's mm-hmm. not 
not at all translating to other bands. This is yeah. like Gorgut's exclusive style of playing. It's like a melodic yeah. deconstruction mm-hmm. uh, of, of what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean, when that album Obscura came out, yeah, it, it blew everyone's mind. It, it changed the way everyone looked at death metal. You know what I mean? My only thing I could contribute to the Gorgut's conversation is my friend tore his ACL when they played at MDF. <laughs> And then we made him sleep in a non-reclining chair instead of going to the hospital. Oh, that's nice. He was, like, texting me at 7 in the morning. I, I'm as far as him as you are from me. He's texting me. He's like, I'm so sorry. I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, just wake up. Like, just tell me. Like, I'll take you to the hospital. <laughs> he he was surrounded by just, like, he crawled to the fridge in the middle of the night just to help the pain. Just but he, he had, like, probably 20 crushed beers around him oh. and an ashtray full of cigarettes. And he's like, I need help. Jesus. <laughs> What do you got, man? Phantasm. Um, mm-hmm. This is the abominable. When your life comes to an end, you know what you have done. You know who you have hurt. When the tears of another's pain fills you with no remorse. The faces of your victims will become the faces of your nightmares in hell. The only savior you will know is the one who is waiting for your soul. Perhaps. Saving angels who wait to carry your soul with grace to their God. Or perhaps. That's an intro. Yeah, I kind of want to cry, but like out of fear. I remember hearing that for the first time when I was like 14 in my friend's car. Oh my god, this brings me back. I'm getting chills right now. Phantasm. P-H-A-N-T-A-S-M. From uh, Wisconsin. Not to be confused with other phantasms. Oh boy, this takes me all the way back, man. One of the first bands I got to, I still have the original cassette tape, man, and such an obscure band that deserves to be known more. Uh, so original, man. This is like, 
Not to give you the impression that this band was like symphonic or anything, but it was like horror score death metal. Uh, more more raw and old school death metal and thrash influenced death metal, definitely. Long songs with instrumental passages. Um, but again, like this isn't tech death. It's not atmospheric doom metal or anything. It's like very... Ro- Listen to that. That is cool. It, it's just that, it's horror movie death metal. That tone is sick. It's and, like perfectly yeah. well rounded. It's like it's sitting too nicely in the mix. Oh, it's the production is great, man. The drummer is doing the vocals, and I love the sound of his voice, man. I mean, the vocals on this are amazing. It's so ex- like I I really liken these guys to almost like a punk rock attitude or something, just because the music is so raw and crushing, and the vocals are fucking maniac, man. Like this is. This is just such good original death metal, man. They don't make them like this, you know? And if you really... This is uh, uh, their, I, their their 1995 release, The Abominable, I'm talking about, by the way, which is kind of a compilation of different releases they had. They didn't put out much in their short career. But um, a few years ago, actually, man, maybe actually more like seven or eight years ago now, I found um, Phantasm. I think it might have been on MySpace. I don't think it was even on Facebook yet. It might have been man. on Facebook. But uh, I got in touch with um, their drummer, and he actually sold me a T-shirt and this 7-inch, man, that he still had, like, boxes and boxes of. So if, if you look up uh, Tony Brandt from Phantasm, he might still have some of this stuff, man. Uh, and I, I bought this the 7-inch uh, from The Abominable. It's got the songs Gut Suckers and Sewed Back to Life. Uh, just, yeah, those they, they, they put those clean guitars in there, but it doesn't sound pretty. It makes it just sound like the, the, the scene in the zombie movie where like it's the aerial shot of the, the hordes of zombies, and there's too many of them to even count. Last know? night's Game of Thrones episode sounded very much like this. I, it's a battle of undead. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. This sounds like it could be part of the soundtrack of like Night of the Creeps. I don't get HBO. We're all talking or, about zombies. We're or, all talking about dead things here. Or Netflix. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, this, this band is just horror movies, but and not and not in a uh, a Razorback Records way too, man. All respect to the Razorback Records bands and that that movie. But that's that we talked yeah, that's about. like fun campy shit. And I'm, yeah, that's not yeah. where I'm at. Well, that's where I yeah. listen to shit. This is this is a different animal right here. No, when you no, it. this yeah. is like real creepy dark horror movie death metal, man. This is fun stuff, man. Like Impetigo was fun. These guys are not fun. These guys will like creep you out a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's some really cool instrumentals on. Like I don't know if that there's a lot of instrumentals, but there's some cool like interludes. And some of the songs are very long and have, like, instrumental passages, man. If you listen to this, like, front to back, the whole thing, it's almost like a, like watching a horror movie or something, man. It's so sick. The vocals are so creepy and weird and original. There's, like, a slight pitch shifter effect, I want to say. Or maybe it's just a reverb and the guy had a really weird tone to his voice. You can't even tell. It's, it's fucked up. Some kind of coupling of sorts. Yeah, and... and the, it's like, you, yeah, you hear a pan yeah. in the mix right now, like... It's like two different people screaming at you, in a way. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. And the drums, everything just has that kind of compressed, slappy sound. It's so good, man. I, I could talk about Phantasm all the, all day. I actually, I don't. We could cut that out of the podcast, but I made everybody sit through the intro to this song because no, it just it's staying. Oh, it, it's it worth, gives it's me worth chills every time, man. I I used to like have it memorized. Me and me and a couple of my well, one of my friends, we had it memorized back in high school. When we play it in the car, we would like speak along to it, try to get every word on. You know what I mean, man? That's it's like spitting bars, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, phantasm, man. Phantasm from Wisconsin. 
Uh, if you're going to go back and check out a band, check them out, man. I would love if this band came back and did the MDF circuit one day, man. Who knows? Uh, also, members of this band played in uh, Dr. Shrinker, if you're familiar with them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of like a connection, man. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, again, man, I'm just in that, in that zone right now. I'm tired. I love this band. I'm just going to keep going on and saying the mm. same shit about it. So good. A more recent band that just kind of, not like stylistically, but the fact that it's like, it's all horror movie metal, but without being cheesy and hokey, is uh, Decrepitaf. Two-man two death metal, just really just yeah, no holds barred. Not like a lot of like long horror samples. Gotta admit, I'm not too familiar with them. I gotta I gotta like reinvest in Decrepitaf a little bit. Man. parts breathe in the 90s man you know this is hardcore well this is beat down <laughs> hardcore right now it does have it does have like a bit of a hardcore vibe sometimes On that note, man, that's phantasm, I, right? Yeah, dude, right. this is this is great. Yeah, yeah dude, I'm just, enjoying just, it. Just gave me the big segue there. I've listened to enough metal. I'm I've <laughs> talked enough shit. I fucking my somebody stole my phone number today. I've been dealing with the phone companies and the phone stores. It's all stupid out there, man. I'm glad I got to come down and kick it with you guys for a little bit. John, before we wrap up, we appreciate you so much coming down to the studio here and hanging with us and all that and bringing your tapes and talking all this shit. Is there anything that you want to plug? Anything coming up? Uh, like I already said, the uh, the new Shit Life tape is coming out. I'm doing another Vomitoma tape. And I'm doing uh, another project of Jens for Vomitoma called Unruly Whores. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Woozy 3 tape box set. i got a bunch of stuff in the works. Awesome. Okay, and also people, could, uh, if they're interested, uh, they could check out your They Made How Many podcast, right? Yes. And that's uh, you want to just briefly. I I wish we had time to go into that. We talked so much about the tapes, but just briefly, you want to uh, talk about your podcast? Yeah, it's uh, my friend Sean and I doing uh, franchises. So any horror movie with two or more, like I was saying before, like the Amityville Horror has seventeen movies. Oh Hellraiser has upwards of nine. I think Puppet Master has ten. Jeez. So we're gonna watch all of them and discuss them, no matter how painful it gets. It's, it, uh, do you guys play sync it up to the movie while it's happening? <laughs> no, that was too distracting. Oh uh, yeah. So. Uh, we, we decided just to, to pretty much uh, take notes and okay. just discuss it as we go. Beautiful. Yeah, if you're into horror, get on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a tmhmpod.fireside.fm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, John Santiago, man, from Third Eye Grind Records. And um, they made how many podcasts? We really appreciate you coming hanging out, man. And, uh, you know, keep keep a lookout, man. If you're looking for something a little, little under the radar, a little crazy that a lot of... Uh, 
homemade uh, effort goes into, man, you should definitely check out some of this guy's releases. I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a blast tonight. Thank you. Good time having you here, talking shit. Yeah. It's awesome what you're doing here. Yeah. I think, right. I, uh, I think I got my name of my own podcast website wrong, but that's all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll wrap it up in post, huh? It, all right. So thanks for tuning in to the Heavy Hole Podcast. <clears throat> we we got the social medias. Check oh, us out. Boy. Heavy Hole Pod. We got the Instagram. We got the Facebook. We also have a Twitter. Talk shit mm-hmm. on Twitter with us. We like that. We also got a phone number. That you didn't guys... get stolen today. Yeah, what's the phone number? Yeah, this is <laughs> Will's, new, could, Will's can I, new phone I number. That, can I use that phone number for a day or two? <laughs> yeah. Sure can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can call me for the next two days until I get things straightened out. <laughs> call call Will at 631-837-3274 and leave Will an angry voicemail about this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Or about your heavy metal experiences. Or if you're having a good day, tell us about it. If you're having a bad day, maybe don't. Yeah. Just keep it to yourself. Oh, is that is that a hint? <laughs> <laughs> I was complaining. I was complaining too much when I got here earlier, man. Uh, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry. all right, guys. So now I'm gonna go outside. Me and Justin are gonna have even more beef, more than the more, more than the Cryptopsy uh, Napalm Death episode. That's all right. Breakdowns are really cool. Have a good night, everybody. Wrap it up, B. <laughs>